Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 263, an early episode, a rare Friday episode. Uh, we'll explain why as I get farther into the episode. But also this week, we are joined by longtime uh, recurring co-host, former guest, Cliff Montoni, who's back to talk about his new gig, uh, his upcoming wedding, and apparently his love for golf. This is new? I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to him about it. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about, well, we'll follow all the COVID uh, announcements that are going on this week. Uh, we'll do some history lessons, all that, folks, and so, so much more. As always, we are happy to have you here on a slightly earlier than normal episode of the Uticast. episode we could do for the folks out there is just read one of these uh, Sweetwater magazines and talk about all the guitars we like. I'm sure that's a real niche episode. Of yeah, show. yeah, yeah. So we're yeah, I'm flipping through this uh, Sweetwater is a music company. Uh, I'm flipping through this giant guitar catalog. They don't make catalogs anymore. I like a catalog. What would like? So I'm trying to think. When I was a kid, the catalogs I would get the most excited about were those. I guess they're called CSS catalogs. Do you remember those? The little like all the skateboard gear. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When I was in middle school. Mm. If you East came, Bay, remember East Bay? Yep. East, same kind of thing. If you yeah, went yeah. to Donovan, I remember Middle, CSS. Yeah, if you went to Donovan Middle School or from CCS, that certain yeah. era, and if you had an East Bay or a CCS catalog or something, mm-hmm. you were the coolest kid at that lunch table that day because everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Yo, let me check out all the new Birdhouse boards, bro." Oh man, what was your fake skateboard brand that you didn't skateboard on that you always liked? Did you have like a skateboard brand you rode for even though you I didn't? Mean, <laughs> depends. Are we talking about boards? Are we talking about trucks? Are we talking about <laughs> shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, a short. Dex, are you trying to sell me a complete? I hope you talked to Cliff about it in the interview because he used to sell skateboards to Yo, bro, all the me, time. Give me the GT uh, trucks and the Spitfire wheels and give me the mm. dope birdhouse mm. Andy Reynolds board with the skull face on it. That's right. Want the real deep cut? Give me the uh, give me the aesthetics board. Ooh. Give me the aesthetics board? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Either that Did or maybe like some element. I don't know. That sort of tied into, do you remember... What do you call them? I'm doing the thing with my fingers, but I can't remember their name. The the little fake skateboards that you would... Uh, tech decks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tech decks. The little finger skateboards. Yeah. So dumb. That was a thing, man. That was a thing yeah. for a while. What a weird world we live in. What a weird world, folks. Welcome back to the show. It is episode 200. Can we record? Are we doing a show? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's Friday morning. I don't know what the hell's yeah. happening. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 263. It's a Friday morning at about 10.30 a.m. Um, mm. I'm actually... Glad that we decided to do it this early because I feel like the later in the day it gets here, the hotter it's going to get today. And this for sure, this particular part of the studio tends to get really, really hot. <laughs> Showing you pictures on the internet, uh, but it's about eighty degrees here today in Utica. It's going to get up to about ninety over the next couple days. It's going to be in yeah. a, and apparently this is all over the U.S. Uh, a mm-hmm. heat wave forecast for the U.S. has scientists alarmed. Uh, a sustained blast of heat is expected to bake much of the United States with hotter than usual temperatures this holiday weekend. So prepare yourselves for a very hot, sweltery weekend 
whatever you're doing for the 4th of July. Speaking of which... Which shouldn't be anything. <laughs> I was going to ask you. It shouldn't doing, be anything. You're doing anything at all? You're going to see brother or sister maybe? Do something family? Maybe brother or sister. My uncle um, my uncle has said he's having... Uh, he's got a you know, big house up in Marcy, a bunch of land. He's like, oh, I'm having a bunch of people over. You know, My cousin just had twins. A lot of people yeah. haven't met the babies. We're really close with those cousins. I would like to go. I'll probably stop by. Um, I've got to be honest. I'm not super comfortable with it. I don't really think mm-hmm. it's a good idea, mm-hmm. um, especially when you look at the map. And even though, you know, right now in the Northeast we're doing all right, we sort of took some of our bumps early. Oneida County is now the worst, most affected yep. county in the state. That's correct. Right now, currently. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that everybody, and I feel like I say it every week now, um, you know, but I know everybody's bored. I know everybody's tired of quarantine. I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, voices um, telling you to go against what scientists are saying and saying that, you know, it's a hoax or it's whatever. And I know there's a lot of, you know, selfish people who are like, well, I'm not going to get it, so I don't care, who don't care about others or whatever and all that. Uh, you're all dumb. Uh, the people with the masks, you're all crybabies. Uh, Got to do the right thing. But it seems people are really dead set on learning the hard way. Yeah. So, I gotta, well, I'm, again, I'm leaving for a week here, and I'm not, I'm kind of with you on this boat. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not looking forward to mm. it. I'm looking forward to seeing my family, mm-hmm. who I don't get to see very often. Yeah. the ones not from New York. I am probably the most concerned person in my immediate family about it. Every, I'm a little concerned at how everyone seems to be like, it's going to be fine. And I'm like, mm, I don't like how cavalier you guys all are about well, how the, fine this is going to be. The problem the problem with it is, right, is like, it, it maybe it will be fine. It probably will be yeah. fine. But it's just the notion of everybody continuing to saying, ah, it'll probably be all right. Ah, just this will be all right. Ah, just a little bit. Ah, just a little bit. That's how you get got. And not for nothing, and I won't I won't go into names. Uh, we are going to a state right now that is not currently on the list of the you need to quarantine for two weeks when you come back from it. Somehow, which is crazy Somehow. to me. Yeah. Mind blowing. Uh, however, and you rented, you guys rented a house, so you're just staying in a yes, house. You're not, you know what I mean. You're yeah. just gonna be in the house, and like you know. Yeah. The original plan was we were supposed to go to a theme park, mm-hmm. which is a theme park that I had been pitching for years, yeah, years yeah. people to go to. And my family always blew me off because no one cares about like roller coasters and theme parks the way I do. Kids are too young too, probably. A bit. Well, now they're now they're old enough where they were into it, but yeah, now yeah. this theme park is closed for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. So um, I gotta be honest, a week is a long time, man. Not, let's, oh, I know. Let's ignore the coronavirus for just a sure. second, and I won't name any names. This is not the first time I've seen you hike out on a week long vacation where you've got mixed feelings. This is not the first time. It's the same thing that always happens. Mm-hmm. I. It's not that I don't date people or see people, but, like, the people I'm seeing are not as serious as to where I want to force them to spend a week with my family just because I don't want to be third wheel who's there by himself. Yeah, no, It's very selfish. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So... you're not the third wheel. You're the king of the nieces and nephews. I used to be, but they're all... They're, like, interested... Video games are the king of the nieces and nephews now. Like, that's what... You're the king of video games. (laughs) I'm not. You gotta be it. Then go... (laughs) The kids are your salvation. Um, They're your fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh wheel right there. A couple things I am looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, I have a tea time on Tuesday with my brother-in-laws and my stepdad, which is something I've never done before, is play around with those three particular people. Yeah, yeah. Should be quite a a, uh, a scene. Although, I haven't golfed, like, legitimately golfed since that day you and I went with the boys years ago. Yeah, fourth, right? Fourth of July, like four years ago, probably. So yeah, my my skills at golf are really poor. Uh, and I got invited to play golf this morning uh, by the man who was supposed to be here at ten o'clock to do his interview, Cliff Monsoni, but decided that it was important to get a nine in before the rain mm. came. It's no. real. Now that he's been domesticated and he's a soon-to-be-married man, 
He's got a golf. He's just trying to. He's swinging hard in the yuppie direction. This is the second time I saw him last time. He was wearing relaxed fit Dockers, a polo shirt tucked in. None of that's true. <laughs> uh, this is the second time in three days that I've been invited last minute to go golfing by people who I wouldn't normally get invitations to go golfing from. Now, yeah. a couple various reasons for that, but sure. Just sort of odd. I wonder if we're getting into the age when our friends want to casually go golfing now. I mean, we've been into that age, but now it's getting even further than that age where it's reaching, like, our friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, now you've got the, you know, the, the guys who, I don't know the best way to say it, but yeah, it's even reached out to our circles now. The golf has become that insidious. You know what I mean? I'm not surprised my brother's friends started playing golf and they were, they started playing golf when they were 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those dudes have been golfing every day. But, like, yeah, now it's even reaching the skinny jeans and the tattoos and everybody. You know, this is going to sound stupid. Uh, if I had known better, mm. maybe I would have picked up golf in high school. Yeah, maybe. Because, like, I was always bad at sports in high school. I, I did a lot of sports. But I feel like I would have liked to be good at golf at certain points in time in life. Like, just, mm. it'd be a weird skill to have, even though I'm kind of whatever about golf and golf courses and all that kind of thing anyway, too. Yeah. It's a, but yeah, all right. Well, I would like to plant crops on all the golf courses because it's a waste of public lands and it's disgusting. I would like the amount golf. of water we pour into these golf courses, especially if you go to like Arizona and some of these places oh, where like yeah. it's unnatural. It's no. Well, I have. What's I don't know what the difference is in like some of these private courses and public. There are exist public golf courses people to go to yeah, as of opposed course, to tons. big giant like private golf courses that you need to have some sort of membership to get into, yeah, yeah. which feels somewhat yeah. more. Most of them are public courses. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, golf man. Oh, what a wild sport. Well, I'll, I'll let you guys know how I do in my in my 18 when I get back on next Saturday. Uh, all right. I did ha- we do want to get into some Corona stuff and some of the news this week, uh, but I do have a couple... I do want to have one thing I want to shout out to people. Um, as a member of the Utica College alumni, you know, I get a lot of emails. Uh, and I got an email this week about a student. You may have read this. Uh, really sad news about Utica College men's basketball freshman Chris Bamba. Uh, who is a freshman for the UC basketball team, uh, really wonderful student. He had made the dean's lists first two semesters, expected to be a key part of Sean Coffey's Pioneers basketball team going forward. Uh, earlier this week, his life was tragically cut short uh, after he had an accident while dr- he drowned uh, while out at Roundout Creek in Hamlet with his friends. Mm. A really, really terrible story. Uh, really sad. Uh, I shared... Uh, links to uh, a couple t-shirts and vendor things they're doing to sort of build, uh, UDC's mm-hmm. doing to sort of build um, finance to help the family out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've followed us on Twitter, you've probably seen me post it. I will post the rest of it on Facebook and stuff this week. Uh, I actually got I got reached out to by the coach himself who like followed us on Twitter this week after I did that and said thank you and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, I hate to see stuff like this, you know, especially yeah, really sad, especially stuff that, you know, there's no control over it. Like, it seems like an accident from what happened. Man, but we've all been, I mean, we've all been out in the water, you know, the mm-hmm. creeks, the lakes, the rivers, messing around with our friends, hanging out. This stuff can happen to people, yeah. and it's, it's such a tragedy to see, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it breaks your heart, you know? Seems like from, so, uh, from what I've read, I didn't know the kid, you know, I don't, I don't work in the school system or anything, but from everything I've read, it seems like the kid had a really bright future, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's what a shame. You know, your heart breaks for him, for the family, for all the friends, you know? He's so young, the potential you think about, you know, and I'm not saying this kid's going to make the NBA, I mean, the potential of what this kid had in terms of yeah, just yeah. his education in front of yeah, him and his opportunities. Yeah, even, and, I mean, his family, yeah. his professional life, what do we make it back to his community going forward, you know, whatever it is, like... So I'll link this stuff again on Facebook and Twitter this week. Um, again, if you have the ability to give and help people out, 
you know, do what you can to help people in these rough times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's uh and again, we sort of talked about in this COVID time and stuff, it feels like uh, stolen, stolen tragedy, right? This tragedy seems almost out of nowhere mm. in the world, but you know, yeah, yeah. grief's kind of hijacked. Yeah. Hijacked the grief, grief gets yeah. hijacked yeah. in this situation. Very sad. You know, Very like Meg and the leftovers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll link all this up there. Uh, but if you have, you know, if you want to buy the T-shirts, they're they're available. If you want to do something or give something, I'll do the links out here. Uh, and you know, very sad times with respect to Chris Bamba. Prayers to him. All right, let's uh, let's get into some COVID stuff we haven't really talked about here yet. We mentioned it, but there are thirty new case, thirty two new cases of COVID in Oneida County today. Mm. Uh, bringing the positive case numbers up to 1,616 in the county. Uh, I was on a website yesterday that I said, check this website essentially before you travel anywhere, right? And it had a breakdown mm-hmm. of all the different counties. And what I found very unsettling is if you look at New York, mm-hmm. New York is, it's it's levels of like green, yellow, orange, mm-hmm. and red. Yeah, I saw the right? map, yeah. Everything around us is yellow except Oneida County specifically is orange. Mm-hmm. And it made me very unsettled. I, <laughs> and now I know that Utica is like a, you know, there's a lot of bigger cities in Oneida County than around it, I guess. Is Syracuse not a county? No. Where's Syracuse at? No, Syracuse is uh, whatever the hell county they got out there. Yeah. Onondaga, I mean, Onondaga County. A lot of counties, yeah. I don't know, man. I uh, No, we're far and away the biggest city in the county. Yeah. Yeah, we're the county seat. That's disappointing, man. It's really upsetting to me. Is it surprising, though? That a city like Syracuse would have less of a concern about this than a city like us, a way bigger city? Is it, why would our thing be worse than like some of the larger cities around us? That's what I, I feel like we've got a little bit weirder mix of this tincture of anti-science, anti like uh, yeah. the pandemic is Cuomo's <laughs> fault. And that, yeah. but those we got a lot more of those yeah. folks. Yeah, I feel yeah. like in Oneida County than yeah. Syracuse, which has got. You know, a huge, huge uh, a younger population, yeah. a university population, a medical population, you know, because, like, young college kids a lot for the most part, you know what I mean? Those, those are a lot of people, like, listen, I'm just thinking about all the dumb people I've seen out, I'm not really surprised. I guess, for whatever reason, it might not be higher or lower somewhere else, you yeah. know, it's no, hard I, to say, but... At the moment, uh, as of Thursday, yesterday, when we saw us, we still have 209 active positive cases in Oneida County, mm-hmm. uh, and about 1,315 of those positive cases have been resolved, which is good, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, also, I didn't know that this, there's like a list on here of places where people have gotten exposed. Have you mm-hmm. read any of this kind of stuff? Like, the one from this week was from Walmart, one was from the 99 Restaurant and Pub, one was from Creekside Cafe. I was like, man, these are all really close. Yeah, man. <laughs> Really unsettling, man. Yeah, man. Well, that's, and you'll hear a lot of, like, a lot of disingenuous or poorly informed uh, people will be like, well, the death rate is still such a low, it's only about death rates, and it's only about rah, rah. Here's the thing, though, if you read any accounts of any of these people who have had the disease or had the disease once or twice and survived it and got through it, there's a lot of people who are still sick for six weeks, two months with, like, lasting things. There's people who've got lasting damage that's done to the body, like... You can just say, oh, I'm just looking at the death rate and that's all I care mm-hmm. about if you're too small-minded where you have to be that reductive about yeah. it. But, like, honestly, the truth is, you listen to some of these survivor accounts, yeah, man, it might not kill you and maybe it won't get to your grandparents or the immunocompromised, you know. But it's still not just going to be the flu where you take yeah. a couple of Z-packs and be dramatic on Twitter where you catch up on Netflix. There's a lot mean? of disingenuous argument about that. I've, I've seen yeah. so many people be like, if I get it, I get it. It's like, yeah. you don't want to get it. It's yeah, not you if say you that. get it, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. it, you know. Uh, there's a report. You out say that because you're not on a process and face your actual fears. Uh, Grow up, is what I say. 
How about it? For this, awards. <laughs> this ties into an article I read this morning from The Guardian, which is essentially uh, a new study has shown that men, in particular, are worried about the masks because the masks make them feel unmasculine. 100%, yeah. Toxic masculinity writ large. That's who these people are. It's the same dudes with, with the big pickup trucks. Anytime I see some dudes like, I'm not wearing no mask, I'm a man. I, sorry about your dick. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, earlier this week, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the U.S.'s top infectious disease expert, said mm. that the U.S. is heading in the wrong way. Uh, however, he isn't the only one act, uh, anxious about face masks. Impede, uh, uh, he's, he's really worried about this, but you see a lot of people talking about it from the other direction. We watched that episode of Joe Rogan a few weeks ago where Joe Rogan's out here saying that people who wear masks are quote-unquote bitches. Now, he went back and claimed that that was like sort of comedy well, that's why I don't understand. Yeah, that's why I don't understand why everybody treats Joe Rogan like he's not like a stoned idiot who breaks balls with his friends. Because his platform's like, so big. Well, it's because of his people. Yeah, he's yeah. got such a big platform. He's got a platform that outsizes his intentions for the thing. But like, yeah, this guy says a lot of dumb shit because he's just like breaking balls with his friends. I've also noticed in a couple of recent episodes, he's backed away from that statement very intensely. He's come to come to realize the damn it. You know, come mm-hmm. to realize that people take it seriously. I always get checked on that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, apparently uh, Scientific America is comparing this to the issues that happened in the 1980s when uh, we were really pushing the use of condoms mm-hmm. during the HIV crisis, and men were very like, I refuse to wear a condom. Like, Still hear it from certain idiots. <laughs> I mean, I guess not still, but like yeah. when I was still, like, in my 20s and still talking about, you know what I mean? Um, and I just, I guess I, it makes me annoyed. Uh- Right, and I hate to say that the mask has sort of become a statement on the other side for me. Like now, I'll wear the mask and be like, "Yeah, I'm wearing the mask," mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I feel like I've gotten caught up into some sort of debate now by wearing it. Right, and I and that makes mm-hmm. me angry. Yeah, because it's not about that, and it shouldn't be about that. Yeah, you're correct. It's not about that. Uh, again, a lot of this is not just in America. Uh, if you go to England, uh, Boris Johnson has been getting a lot of crap mm-hmm. because he's just shaking hands with people, doesn't seem to care about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brazilian President Juan Bosol- uh, Bos- Bolsonaro, did I say that correctly? Jair Bolsonaro. Jair Bolsonaro. He claims that his athleticism would prevent him from taking well, the he, He's another one, because you'll notice the current theme. Like These, are the, these yeah. are three of the guys in this new anti-intellectual, mm-hmm. nationalistic, uh, fascist-style government movement. You know what yeah. I mean? Bolsonaro went out there when he got elected, and you know he said, "I'm styling myself on Trump. Trump is the leader for the modern yeah. world. This is what it's supposed to be like." I'm listening to what he says. You know what I mean? There's all these people out there. I mean, for months and months, people on Fox News, the Sean Hannity's of the world, like, you don't need a mask. You don't need nothing. Rah rah. This is gonna go mm-hmm. away. And there's people, there's people, people's parents turn that shit on and believe it. Like we yeah. laugh about it a lot on this show. There's a lot of folks who turn on stuff like Sean Hannity or stuff like whatever on Fox News, and they like believe what's being said. And they, they lean right in and take it seriously. I can't tell you how many, you know, middle-aged white baby boomer dudes, oh, I don't need no mask, rah, 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 like, I don't need to wear a mask. So just put your fucking mask on. And you want to yeah. talk about how tough you are, this and that. Oh, you're such a tough guy, right? You're such a tough guy. If you're tough, then put the mask on. And people are like, I can't wear a mask. It's hard to breathe, bro. If surgeons can wear a mask for 12 hours in surgery, I got no sympathy for you. You're a crybaby. I'm sorry. It's also been shown like, doctors have put on oxygen defibrillator masks while wearing it and shown that it doesn't change your oxygen intake at all. Of course it does. It's just an excuse. Um, at the moment, again, like we were saying, it has become a political thing. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation survey, 70% of Democrats regularly report wearing masks compared to only 37% of Republicans. Mm-hmm. So, what would you think? What's the... Here's the thing, too. Like, I see a lot of masks out there that I would never wear because I find them a little too, quote-unquote, bro-y. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there are masks that are, like, masculine-looking. Like, if you want to get, like, a camo mask or, like, one with a skull on it or something like that. It's just, I, something I wouldn't wear. 
But, like, they've tried to go out of their way to make them more appealing to, like, yeah, the I masculine just, crowd. And sure, it, I guess. But they it's the whole idea for them. Because, I mean, like, I don't care, right? Like, I had a great friend of the show, Mel, made me a mask. Yeah. Zebra on one side, green on the other side. So sometimes I go, I got a zebra mask. If I cared any less about what somebody thought about my zebra mask, I'd be dead if I cared any less. So I got a zebra mask sure. on. Whatever. You literally might be dead I'm if you cared here. any less. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is to solve toxic masculinity writ large. I'm not sure. Have you heard the joke going around? Uh, I, I think I don't want to steal it from another podcast, but people were calling it tox, toxic masculinity. Uh, That's the there's your pun for the week. Uh, also this week, mm. uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he will not reinstate reinst- uh, restrictions in Florida despite a massive surge in coronavirus cases. Mm. Uh, Ain't that, ain't that Florida for you? And here's one that I've seen a lot of people going around, uh, and I feel like it's something we should talk. If you have seen something that people are posting about having, quote-unquote, fake mask exemption cards, mm-hmm. they are lying to you because yeah, they 100%. do not exist. 100%. Uh, you'll see people on Twitter posting them or on Facebook posting their pictures of them, and it always says something, you know, like, I have some sort of underlying disease it's not, a, yeah. it's not a real thing yeah so don't be fooled when you see people on twitter trying to make this argument mm-hmm. or social media it's not a real thing no one is getting mask exemption cards anywhere yeah it's a lie uh all right let's see let's move on from corona let's talk about some what do we have here okay let's talk about technology for a second uh mark zuckerberg took a big hit this week uh as facebook continue uh, as facebook advertisers are boycotting it's only for a month right is that the story with the facebook mascots uh fa- facebook boycotts advertisers are boycotting for the month he lost like seven billion dollars over the mm. last couple days he's gone out and said that his guess is that advertisers will be back on the platform soon enough and he's not worried about it mm-hmm. my question is do you think he's right yeah 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 until until something goes further I mean, yeah. Until something goes further, it's gonna have to go further. I mean, he's he's a goddamn soulless devil. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we all knew that kind of like after the movie, yeah. like after everything we've watched happen with him too. He's a soulless devil who's gonna put profit first. And nobody's gonna stop him. I mean, Facebook is a sewer, mm. and it's got to go. It's bad for America. It's bad for the people. We weren't ready. It's too much. It's not a good thing. Um, and I would love to see him take his medicine. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yep. I would. I would love to see this. We should shoot this guy to the moon. As far as I'm con- concerned. Um, I got I got no love uh, in my heart, um, but no, I don't think yeah. that they're going to get him this time. Yeah, general argument: campaigners accuse the tech firm of being too slow and reluctant to remove hateful content. Uh, Zuckerberg argues that they're not going to change their policies or approach on anything because of a threat to a small percentage of their revenue. That's... You call that a lie? He's just <laughs> lying. Um, remember when this guy was going to run for president? Remember when we were talking about Mark Zuckerberg thinking about running for president? Seems like such a time now. People talk about a lot of things. Wait for it. He's still a young man. Mm. Wait for it. Darker days. Oh well, today is not the darkest day we're gonna get. Oh, don't worry. Wait till we get to this week's um, uh, doomsday report because I got some real dark stuff for you today. Neat. Uh, speaking of which, there is a new social media app that conservatives seem to be flocking to. Are you familiar with this new social media app called Parlor? Uh, they've tried with this like the ninth app they've tried this on. Not giving the oxygen. Fuck them. Good luck. Yeah. It's not gonna work. I've just seen a lot. Uh, apparently. It's... Oh, I'm sorry. I can't, we can't be racist anymore. So we got to go somewhere else because we're sticking our. Uh, yeah, oh, that's gross. essentially. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's essentially what it is, and yeah, the yeah. only reason it's gotten a bunch of press this week is because essentially a lot of GOP and you know senators and all that decided mm-hmm. this was the time to jump on this app, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um. Somebody hurt my feelings on Twitter, so I'm leaving. I'm not going to get on Twitter because Twitter hurt my feelings, and I'm going on this made-up app with all my other racist is, friends, and we can be racist, and nobody's going to be mean to us. You know, not for nothing. That's what I hear. I was told that Twitter is uh, 
like a place that you could do that anyway. Wasn't Twitter also bad because you well, Twitter's Twitter's trying <laughs> yeah. to shape up because it's out of it's one of those things where you give an inch you take a mile. You know what I mean? And yeah. so all right, so now Twitter's got to start tossing people off because people are out there literally calling for like ethnic cleansing mm-hmm. and race wars. God, I'm so fucking depressed. Never, I'm so depressed, man. Yeah, buddy. I and, and I get it too. Like I can see why people like read the news and just feel overwhelmed and mm-hmm. discouraged about you know I, I hate to be like the South Park where is my country gone joke but like it really does like I don't know man it, there's certain and I'm a history major right like, I've always believed that like America is a like a melting pot that's the story we heard when we were kids it's supposed to take everything from everywhere and build mm-hmm. it into this wonderful conglomeration of mm-hmm. all the best parts of humanity from around yeah. the world and it's like no I'm shocked by how many people do not want that that's that's the that's the equivalent of I mean all that really is is marketing Right, yep. that's the equivalent of some company coming out being like, "We're doing great for the world and we're taking care of." Well, they like exploit workers, treat people like shit, and have like bad hiring. You know, all these different things and are bad for the environment. It's just that's marketing it. We're the great melting pot, and anybody can come here. But like, not really. That's not really what we're doing here. That's not really what this is about. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of what they tell us. When people are always like, "I I got into it in my head, and I didn't engage it um, in real life, but I got into it in my head." Um, an aunt of mine, mm-hmm. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Just posted a thing, and my aunt is pretty, my aunt's not like a, a nutty, like a Fox News drone or anything like that, but you know, my aunt's definitely just an older lady, whatever, um, and she posted something that was like a picture of some farmer with his arm around a little kid looking at a sunset, yes. and it's like, I miss the America I grew up in, <coughs> and immediately I'm heated up, I'm mad, because I'm like, what do you even miss? You, the America you grew up in isn't even what you remember. You just miss being a kid and you're sad about getting older mm-hmm. is what this is. Because the America you grew up in is the reason another one of my aunts had to move to the West Coast and never came back because we couldn't discuss the fact that she was a lesbian in the mm-hmm. 70s. The America you grew up in is the one where kids had to drink out of separate white uh, you know, white and black water fountains. Yeah, yeah. The America you grew up in is when dudes could get drunk, come home and beat the shit out of their wife and you can't say nothing because it's not polite to talk about mm-hmm. it. The America you grew up in was the priest you saw on Sunday was the kid with his hand up the altar boy's robes. Mm-hmm. Nobody could talk about it. It's not polite. I'm glad we don't live in that America. This but is... do you know what I did? What did you do? Instead of saying all this and firing off, and we talked to my aunt in months, and firing off some shit mm-hmm. on Facebook on this post... I sent her a text message, asked her how she's been, told her I love her, miss her, can't wait to see her, hope all is well, and just caught up a little bit. Mm. Because I decided instead of get mad and repost on Facebook, just reach out to these people in your lives and maybe me and her will have that conversation a different yeah. day, but Facebook is not the avenue to talk to people you care about because you're never going to change your mind on social media. Uh, I saw one on Twitter. It was not a, fa- a Facebook person or anyone mm. I knew, but it was, I don't know if you've seen this one, it was a picture of like a guy, it was like a meme of a dude like standing in a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Fully an American flag. I was flowing behind him. Mm. And it just said, I'd rather earn $1 than be given $2. Right? And then, like, the comment I saw in there was like, that's funny because you're a farmer and you guys only survive because of government. Because of farmers. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I just see so much, like, bad acting. Let's move on to some local news. You want to do some local stuff? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> it seems well, like it's a minefield. Uh, Depends so, what we got. So despite the fact that 4th of July celebrations are pretty much canceled for uh-huh. most of the city, uh, Robert, uh, Mayor Robert Paul Mary announced mm-hmm. nine parks will be open in the city beginning on July 6th. Uh, these Paul po- Mary? Yeah. He's back? 
Seems like it. The man Interesting. He's back from the shadows. I, I just hadn't heard from him since he secured his pension uh, <laughs> after he engineered himself to be able to get a third term. <sighs> so I wasn't sure if he was still the mayor and doing anything. Shout out. You want to talk about it, Rob? Call me. Uh, I'm saying. Uh, uh, I'm done. No more lies, Sam. No more lies in 2020. Uh, Addison Mode Park, Proctor Park, Seymour Park open next Monday. Uh, playgrounds and waiting pools at Pixley. Uh, Wonkle Park, Quinn Park, O'Hare, uh, O'Connor Park, Valley View Golf Course will open. So in case you mm. want to get your golf in. Uh, and then GFOP Delvin Moody said he requested the basketball courts in Kemble Park to be reopened next, uh, in a tweet Wednesday. Uh, he acknowledged that basketball was included in uh, Governor Cuomo's list of high-risk sports to spread COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of body bumping, a lot of close. Yeah. Uh, he said, essentially, a lot, of the, uh, a lot of this is Governor Cuomo who listed basketball as a high-risk sport. It's unfair to many kids in upstate New York who can be socially distanced and still enjoy the parks. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not here to make a comment on that. I don't know what like social distance measures you'd have to do for like a park basketball game. Outdoor, outdoor spaces in the sun is good Man. business. Yeah, the ba- basketball becomes tough. Yeah, because you're just you're out there, you're rubbing up. There's there's no way to play socially yeah. distant basketball. I mean, unless you're like the Knicks and you're just like not getting near like <laughs> just not the getting ball near the players <laughs> or anything. Just terrible. Like. <laughs> terrible. Uh, all right. Let's, hey, uh, do you remember when uh, the residents of South Utica, our friends, like parents and everybody, we grew up in South Utica. Uh, had the city and Ed Hanna take the basketball courts out of Wankel because they were afraid black kids were going to come to South Utica yes. and play at Wankel. Which is so your friend's parents out there uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't want black folks at Wankel behind Shenatry, so they took the basketball court out because I grew up playing on those basketball courts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, shout out. Let's bring it all to light, call it what it is. No justice, no peace. Uh, all right, let's move on. Okay, I'm going to talk about this really quickly. I'm not going to get into the details about this. Uh... But it's on it's on the Observer Dispatch. Uh, mm. Earlier today, or earlier yesterday, a Utica police probe found conversations between a student and a former Proctor High School teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. This man lost his job. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this right now. As a guy who grew up surrounded by education and who wants to be in the education field going forward, I found this particularly despicable. Yeah, I find... Man. Deeply, I, deeply, deeply despicable. Deeply... Because I, I, I know what my kids that I've dealt with have gone through in their lives. Their lives are so tough, yeah. and to take advantage of a child who's going through some of the hardest times of their lives, mm-hmm. the most important times of their lives in terms of self discovery, in terms of dis- determining who so, they I mean, are as a person. You're in an ultimate position of trust as the educator and as the teacher. You know what I mean? People, parents entrust you with their children. You hand them over. This guy's out here with multiple girls, some are minors, talking to him about their underwear and what they're wearing, what they're doing, stuff like this on Facebook Messenger. And this kid, uh, you know, this kid, AJ Padone is his name on Facebook, and I was yeah. like, we'll name it up and down. I mean, it's on, it's on Observer Dispatch. Yeah, for sure, there, and we're yeah. not hiding it. It's like, I, I've met this kid yeah. before. AJ Padone, you'll see him, you know, he's around uh, in some of the local, like, um, ancient Hibernians, Irish cultural stuff he's yep. around, he's been involved with. He's been a kid who's around you. He's mm-hmm. only like 30 years old or so, I think, kid from Whitesboro. He's younger than that. Um, yeah, but he might be yeah. even younger, because I know he graduated with a couple of people I know that were. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, um, yeah, man, like if you're out here, like this is, here's my thing. This this guy is obviously sick. Yeah. This guy Disgusting. obviously needs help. And the empathetic part of my heart, you and me have had a lot of conversations privately recently about, you know, the the balancing of empathy yeah. with, you know, holding people accountable. Yeah, consequences. Um, you know, when somebody does something really messed up to you, you're upset. But if they're sick and that's why they do this to you, mm-hmm. you know, your heart, this this guy must be in a lot of pain and that's tough and you hope he gets the help he needs, but he should never, ever, ever, ever be put near children ever again. And no. if he goes to jail, I hope, I hope, I hope he goes to jail. I mean, I don't know if he can for what he did yeah. specifically, but I honestly, you know, I just can't imagine, man. I can't imagine. You know, 
when you are a teacher, especially when you work in like a program like I work, where you deal with the same kids over four, five, six years of their life, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You grow to see them as your kids, not some sort of weird entity that you can take advantage of, but you sure. feel like they're part of your family, For right? Sure. Like when when bad things happen to my students by other students, I'm offended on their behalf. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There is a, I don't know. There's something very. I hate when people try and use their positions of power to take advantage of people. It's one of the worst, most disgusting things you can ever see. And for me personally, because of my position and what I find important in my Mm -hmm. life, to use your education power to do that Mm -hmm. is one of the absolute most disgusting, fucked up things you can ever do. Well, and you know know what I think is gross about it, too, is that this is, you know, this thing happened with this guy, but... The notion of the creepy teacher who hits on the high school girls is practically a fucking cultural meme at this point. Yep. And we were talking. hate it. And we, I bet you do. Hate Honestly, it. as a young man who teaches in a high school, I bet you do. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Because people who don't know you or people who are always looking, you're always going to have extra scrutiny. You know, and as a guy who knows you to your core of being and knowing yeah. that it's completely unwarranted, just the way that it is, you know what I mean? But like... We had we had a teacher when I was in high school. When I was in like ninth or tenth grade, we had this guy. His name was Ed Griffiths. Uh, he was a young dude, probably in his thirties. Yeah. He taught like global to like ninth graders, and he would hit on the ninth and tenth grade girls in my class who were I was in ninth grade at the time. You know the girls who were like the hot girls yeah. in class, right? And he would be crazy inappropriate with them. And that was before a time where he could slide into the Facebook DMs or whatever when these you know with these girls were like late at night. But like this is a thing that happens, and I bet. If you went around, just like, you know, some of the different Me Too stuff, some of the speaking up that we've seen happening, I bet if you asked every single woman in your life that you're friends with if they knew about some creepy teacher, some creepy adult in a position of power when they were, you know, not even 18, I'd be, I think you would weep at the percentage of people who had that experience, I think, personally. You know, I don't, I don't pretend to speak for all women or anything, but like, I would, I think that's the case. When you deal with kids Mm -hmm. in a high school, especially kids in low-income housing, kids with poor backgrounds, kids who Vulnerable come, kids. Vulnerable kids. Vulnerable kids. I, I learned something. Kids with no support system. The thing that I learned that stuck with me the most mm-hmm. through my time in education is that many, many, many times, more times than you can imagine, you are around these kids more than their parents are. Yeah. You become the example, mm-hmm. the touchstone. Be like, I made a big deal over the years of really proactively talking about how you need to shed your things in a positive light like sure. be a proactive part of your community like give back to the people don't be hateful well, and yeah you know what I mean and you I want it to mean something to these kids I, I know it see. I know it even as and you're spot on I know it even as you know a kid when my mom who's a stay-at-home mom passed away when I was 11 yeah. and my dad was working and you know he still he switched from doing nights to like daytime so he was still home at like five o'clock every day but he was working plenty and you know I lost my mom when I was young I was super close and not to say that, like, you know, I had, I had a pretty good life and we were pretty lucky yeah. to have what we had, but, like, I definitely sought out mentors and leadership yeah. from from teachers yeah. and from friends' moms and from, you know, mm-hmm. various places. And, like, even, like, you know, different bosses or supervisors I have in my work that were, like, yeah. you know, ladies in their 50s and stuff. And you always, when you're a vulnerable kid, you know, who, who's reaching out for this, this guidance and these mentorship and connections, you know, you're reaching out, grasping... Yeah. And it would have been it's it would it would have been you know so easy for somebody to to take advantage you know had they had they wanted to or you know whatever it was but like it's just it's so gross and one of the things that I keep saying over and over with everything we've had going on be it you know the racism the, the at any type of thing we're seeing 
at the very least, at least we're pulling everything out into the light. Yep. Everything needs yep. to be pulled out into the light. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've been shoving under, everything that previous generations thought it was impolite to talk about, and, you know, mm-hmm. let's pull it all out into the light because we can't fix the rot until we pull it out. You know what I mean? And not for nothing, I see a lot of people talking about this. Now. We're not going to talk about just Lee Maxwell today uh, because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's like a longer story. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like we need to get into these arguments about, well, if this person who's my friend did it, it's okay. But if someone else... No, anyone who does some bad shit, whether you're on your side or someone else's side, deserves to get what they get coming. Yeah, yeah. I do not feel bad. If I find out that this guy has all my same political beliefs and believes all... I don't give a shit. Why would I care Go, Why that? would I care? Go to care? get punished for what you do. It's like, I don't... It's not a... A sides game anymore. I'm real tired of this. That's the thing that I've been driving me nuts about this whole thing. Uh, that's, that's what we call projection, my friend, is what it is. The people who tell you that it's a sides game are the people who treat it like a sides game. Let's, but it shouldn't be. Let's get into this week's Doomsday Report. And man, Ooh, Doomsday, alright. Okay. We've talked a lot about whether or not politics will eventually... When, when Trump leaves, whether it's November or whether it's... Eight, four years from now, or whether he holds... Whatever the whatever happens. Sure. In the post-Trump presidential era, mm. I wonder sometimes what the GOP will look like. Will mm. they go back to having a more traditional-style candidate, a more centrist-style candidate? Mm. Or will they double down on somebody who is in that sort of Trump sphere? Mm-hmm. Somebody who's a, an agitator? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Politico report this week says that many Republicans are buzzing about the potential of a 20... 24, Tucker Carlson run for the presidency. Have you read anything about this? No, and I won't. <laughs> and I won't. A lot of it Beyond is... speculation. We need clicks is what we need. No, that's the same That's the same thing as when somebody tells me whoever, who was it that we were just talking about was going to run for president? Who'd you say? The Rock? The Rock. Or somebody. No, it wasn't The Rock. <laughs> it was somebody like we were talking about. The Rock, Zuckerberg. Kanye Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this essentially is because he is essentially the most popular person on the Fox News channel in terms of their demographics. He's also a full-on non-dog whistle white supremacist. Yeah. Like, like bad. Like, doesn't even really hide it, some of the shit he says on his show. Uh, while practically every Republican eyeing a 2024 presidential run is professing loyalty to Trump, Carlson has become uh, perhaps the highest profile proponent of Trumpism. So he... Mm. The only reason I, I, don't, I don't not believe it, mm. I could see them leaning this direction. We can't go back from Trump. We have sure. to go in, like, this... For sure. Similar vibe of For like, sure. uh, you know, someone who's going to dog whistle all our people, and this sure. guy will definitely do it. Uh, so there's one Doomsday Report for you. Uh, and I just wanted to talk about the other Doomsday Report uh, from this one, the Independent, earlier this week. Uh, I don't know if you folks have followed what happened uh, to Elijah McClain, 23 year old who died after police put him in a chokehold. Uh, earlier this week in Aurora, uh, Colorado, uh, there, was a, there was an event where there was a violin vigil. Uh, and mm-hmm. of course, Riot police arrived to the mm-hmm. city center, uh, said they were illegally protesting, and scattered this nonviolent protest using pepper spray and things like that. Mm. Again, can't get out of their own way. Mm. <laughs> the police officers really doing well, everything. They keep, they keep doing Here's the thing. The media stopped covering it, but like they're still, if you follow yeah. like local live feed sources in mm. a lot of these cities and like local sources on Twitter, this all this stuff's still going on. The cops are still violently, yeah. you know... Violently responding to, to majority peaceful protests. Just really, like, doing everything they can to make sure their image is as bad as possible at all times. Like, I, I don't understand They're it. doing what they were hired to do. Yeah. You know? God, it makes me so angry. Yeah. As all right. it should. All right. It was a tough 37 minutes. <laughs> a lot of heavy stuff this morning. Oh, shit, we just did 40 minutes? Yeah. Wow, look at us. 
There's a lot going what on. What happens if you're capital P professional <laughs> here on a Friday morning? Let's, That's uh, why folks making the sacrifices early on a Friday to bring the show to you. Stitcher Hive, we see you. Let's take a, take a break here, folks. Uh, we're going to talk to our GFOP Cliff Montoni, who's mm-hmm. back for the first time in a long time. I can't remember yeah, the last yeah. time he's been on. Mm-hmm. You folks may remember him from uh, being sort of the co-host here on the show for a while, for an extended period, and as a regular guest. Mm-hmm. You also have known him from his time at the Saranac Gift Shop. If you've seen him down there, he's now working at Sightseeker. Is that what mm-hmm. he's doing over there now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to break down a bunch of stuff. We have a lot of things to talk about. He's a newly engaged man, so we'll ask True. him about that. True. Congrats to him and him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's get to it. Our good friend, Cliff Montoni. question now that you are a, a kept man and you're engaged uh-huh. on the way to be married do you yeah. feel like you've gotten more or less handsome oh jesus <laughs> that's a tough question how do i answer that <laughs> will you care more well now you're like well I'm, I'm i'm there i've gotten to the point where we're getting ready to be married i can just wear a white t-shirt and cut off jeans when i come over to the podcast first of all <laughs> uh, uh no i have always worn that and i guess i always will wear that <laughs> the peanut gallery back there. Uh, I'm a style icon. You've always had good style. I have yeah. to give you that. Yeah. Um, These used to be pants. <laughs> you know, I did that. Uh, <laughs> when I was living in New York, I did that with a pair of jeans because my buddies were doing it. Right, like Everyone's like, oh, we got to get the cutoff jeans. But yeah. I think I picked the wrong kind of pants for it. Do you mean like they were like super tight to the point that they were like <laughs> really short and really tight? It was not a good look. And I'm not in the... Let's call it the physical shape that you were in. So I can't get away with like showing off too much uh, gut or leg. You're <laughs> overselling my physical appearance by Compared, a mile. You're underselling my physical appearance. <laughs> Let me add, did you live in Brooklyn at the time, though? Yes. Well, yes. then you're good. It's, <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure uh, everything was fine. So, Cliff, I actually, to be honest, I don't remember the last time you were on the show in terms First of... First episode. Di- well, second episode. Second episode. Ah, and we are within My whole our, life is a lie. <laughs> we are within our... It's, our five-year anniversary was only a few episodes ago. And we did... you know, And I have wanted to bring back everybody on the show who had been a part of the show going forward. Or going in the past. Yeah. And, you know, for folks who are longtime listeners of the show, you'll remember Cliff was essentially the co-host for a long period of time. Yeah, you lost your senses there. Well, I realized we couldn't just have three white dudes chatting it up, agreeing with each other. No, yeah. <laughs> it's like three Not exactly compelling. Around. Yeah. Uh, but I when, meant when you had me on. The last time you were on, though, I think you were still doing this. You're still at Saranac, I think, at the time. Yep. Yep. And we don't have to get into that, but you yep. are now over at Sightseeker. I am. What's your new position over there? I'm a digital marketing specialist. And we've had a couple Sightseeker people on in the past, the Devin Hoffmans of the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, for folks who don't know, can you give me a quick explain it like on five about what your new gig is over there and what you're doing? <laughs> um, so I guess I am um, a digital media specialist, which just means that I help businesses optimize their, their online presence. Mm. Um, 
through so, a variety of programs. So you're sort of like not you're not outsourcing, but you're essentially like a an auxiliary part for companies that want to build up that social media network or yeah. platform. Yeah. So there's a lot of businesses that uh, want to expand their digital presence, but don't necessarily want to commit the resources to having an internal hire. Um, yes. So yeah, that's yeah. that's one benefit. That's you know, really having yeah having an internal hire means you know you have a year round salary benefits. Yeah. Um, and you might not have full-time work for them. Well, it's something we've talked about in the past. A lot of companies, especially going into this new digital age, never even thought about these things as concepts 10 years ago. So to create oh, yeah. new jobs for them is pretty proactive, and a lot of places haven't done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I would say like the other benefit is like, if you hire one person internally, you have one person internally. Mm -hmm. The benefit of working with an agency is that when I don't know something... Uh, it's expected and reasonable for me to be like, I don't know, but mm -hmm. this person here definitely knows yeah. and, and is the person that we should go to. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's been a great benefit to to me and to our clients. So. Has it been a nice change for you doing something a little different than what you were doing before? Yeah. Um, so it there was definitely an adjustment period. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. So a lot more singular focus mm -hmm. um, and a lot less multitasking and sort of like uh, see everything, react to everything. Is this one of those kind of things, too, where you're out here sort of like look, do people reach out to you? Do you like, do people come specifically to you if they want you or do, do you just make interactions with people in public and works from that way? Um, so... How much selling of yourself you're doing is, I guess, what I'm saying. Me, personally, yeah. zero. Zero. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, cool, cool. so, yeah, and and that's good because I'm not great at selling myself. It's uh, not my strong suit. It's not really what I, well, what I prefer to do. I, I went looking for some social media stuff today, I and mean, you're essentially off of social media. Uh, this morning, I completely archived my entire Instagram. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know what my Facebook looks like these days, but uh, I tried to your... get rid of as much as possible. <laughs> your Facebook. I went back to look at it. <laughs> And I was looking at a post, and it was something, and I was like, oh, he's going something coming up for, it's like a Henry Rollins thing. I was like, oh, wait, this is July 20th, 2017. Yeah, it was quite, oh. a while, quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I've said it to a lot of folks, and we talk about it a lot in this show. If it were not for the fact that it's just too easy for me to promote this stuff on here, I, I find myself feeling worse every time I go on social media, let alone just the news. But really getting into, like, Facebook and social media, it is a downer. For it, a lot of people now. It can be. You've got to be really specific about what you're surrounding yourself with. Um, and I think in a lot of ways it, it echoes and amplifies a lot of pre-existing viewpoints. Oh, yeah. The echo chamber is yeah. real for sure. So you have to proactively consume things that you might not regularly mm -hmm. consume to create balance. Um, but I, I it, that's not why... I don't use social media because I, I browse through Instagram way more than I want to admit. Instagram is the one that I find, for, and I don't even know if this is right or wrong, I find it the least frustrating to go through. Facebook yeah. frustrates me because it's real people that I know saying dumb shit. Yeah, yeah. Twitter is mostly strangers saying dumb shit. Yeah. Uh, but Instagram... People only, saying nothing. Instagram <laughs> only bothers me because it's like... Look how much better all these people's lives are than me. <laughs> but that's yeah, just, right. That's so just it's curated. Like, that's yeah. curated. Yeah. It's curated. Absolutely. But I find that less offensive. Like people don't seem to be as trollish on Instagram. Not, At least not purposely. No, no. And especially if you stay out of the comments. What comments? Say? Are you pro or anti comment section on anything? Because uh, I feel like I read an article and I almost always go look for the comment section. Okay. But well, then that's two different questions. But then I regret <laughs> it. Right. Yeah, like yeah, I usually yeah. regret it. Yeah. Uh, 
okay, so gut reaction. I I don't like comments. Um, I don't I don't really think that comments add right. too much yeah, yeah, when yeah, it yeah. really comes down to it. Um, so yeah, they're just they're just not for me. And and my absence of contributing to social media has has come from. I don't think that I have a unique voice, nor the expertise necessary to really contribute to any meaningful conversation. So I, I just, it, it's not a value to anyone for me to voice a, an opinion that I probably got from somebody else. I'm not synthesizing information, I'm yeah. just regurgitating it. Mm. Um, I mean, I have that debate when I do this show all the time. Like yeah. How, you know, we reach a, a certain amount of audience and people seem to like when we talk about real issues, but you know, we get, you know, even today going through all this COVID stuff, going through all like the places that are closing and the masks and how masks are considered anti-masculine. Like, I don't even know if I'm qualified to discuss some of these things. I just know how I feel about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's right. And, and if someone is consuming what you do as, I'm interested in what he has to say, and I want to know how he feels about it. That's different than presenting yourself as an expert. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or I think the other side of that is unknowingly presenting yourself as an expert, right? Just saying something that you think and believe to be true, even though you haven't found a, at least preponderance of evidence to suggest that. Um, and then just adding that in and adding that in, and eventually you get enough layers of somebody saying the same wrong thing that it, it becomes a sort of gospel. And um, Well, people yeah. don't like to change their minds, right? Like, I've seen a lot of this, and we don't have to get into too much COVID stuff, but you yeah. see a lot of people who are like, well, early on, Fauci said this one time that you, you the masks don't do anything. Yeah. But you got to understand, like, these are scientists and doctors. You learn things as you go on. Right? Yeah. People don't seem to want to go along with anything that isn't the very first thing they heard. Well, yeah. you told me once yeah, 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 that we're yeah. not wearing masks. <laughs> that's it. I refuse to believe that anyone changed their opinion about anything. And that's what I find really disconcerting about everything that's going on now is people's lack of interest or ability to comprehend a changing, fluid situation that we can't control. Yeah, I, I'm excited by it. Yeah. Because I think people are becoming aware of it. And as they become aware yeah. of their of their rigidity, right, of their intellectual rigidity, they're 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 more likely to become flexible. I, I feel like in the last couple of weeks there was a period of time when there sort of started to be like a standoff between like people wearing masks and not. And all of a sudden, at least around our immediate thing, yeah. I say I feel like that stopped. Most people I know everywhere have masks on all the time yeah. now, yeah. and I and I'm glad. Yeah. But it feels like I was concerned that we were a couple of weeks ago heading to a place where this was really going to become. Like a one versus the other thing. And it sort of is anyway. Uh, but I'm seeing less people ignoring reality today than I was two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, uh, so, so like, I, I try to find the silver lining and everything. So that's, uh, it, it's, it's, very clear it's good you. that, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. How, how much better I've gotten at that. Um, but another thing that has been really different about, like, my professional life has been how I've changed my communication style. And so I work a lot with data. Mm -hmm. And my communication style has become more, there's evidence to support this. Yeah. Or there is not evidence mm -hmm. to support this. And that's about as like nuanced, as accurate as, as, as you can get yeah. when it comes yeah, to yeah, actually sure. communicating information. Um, because I'm not saying yes or no. And, and I know that sometimes that comes off as a lack of expertise, but to me it comes off as honesty. Are you working from home right now? Uh, not anymore. I'm back in the office. You're back in the office. Yeah. Yep. I was at home for 
ten plus weeks. Did you find it to be? I, I only ask because I did. Uh, I did not like working from home for yeah. the last few weeks that we were finishing up school. Did you find that working from home was beneficial to you, or did you find it to be a, a hassle? So one of the really great things I've had the pleasure of doing has been um, personality evaluation. And um, the only thing I think that was surprising to me was like, I didn't know whether I fell on the extroverted side or on the introverted side. Mm. And when I did the evaluation, I I was like almost dead center, Mm. slightly more extroverted. Um, And what I found was early on, that portion of me was really frustrated. Yeah. Um, I, I needed that social interaction, but then like probably three weeks in or so, I started to get more comfortable. Um, I was more task oriented. I tend to find that I struggle without the rigid constraints of the, not the nine to five system, but like I go in at this time and I go out at this time. And I think with education, if you're a teacher who, you know, I'm not saying that all teachers don't do this. I tend to really pour myself into teaching, right? When I'm done at the end of the day, I'm tired. I'm exhausted, right, from the whole process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when I, so when I go home, I like to have that ability to be like, I'm, I can shut my brain down for a couple yes. hours. Yeah. When I'm working from home, I tend to lose that ability to stay in the zone, mm-hmm. whether from like nine to, nine to three, bam, I'm in the zone, these, bam, 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 bam. I get too distracted here. Yeah. It's too easy to fall. Oh, I'm going to fold some clothes while I do this and then watch the prices right for three hours. Um, but it's good. Do you feel, do you think it's, can, will there be some sort of conversion back to working around people? Are you sort of liking being back in the office or is it still kind of? No, it's, um, it's just a different set of circumstances yeah. that you have to adapt to. So it's more collaborative, which I really appreciate. Um, that's super helpful. It's easier to collaborate mm-hmm. at least. Um, but then you have to be more determined of setting your task oriented stuff aside mm-hmm. and really just doing things in pockets where you're like, like I know the first hour of my day, I'm going to, I'm basically going to do a warm up, and there's going to be a social portion of it. And, you know, we're going to talk and touch base on things. And then I'm going to check email and get planned for the day. And then mm-hmm. I try to hit a window where this is where I'm going to do like deep work. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of the day, the same idea, right? It's just kind of a wind down and and, and get prepared for the next day. Yeah. And if people want to, uh, just for, we'll get onto some lighter stuff here, yeah, but I want to yeah, give yeah. an opportunity yeah. for people to reach out to you guys. You know, I, I love what you and Devin and the folks at Sightseeker are doing. So people want to reach out, businesses want to reach out. Where do they go if they want to get a hold of you or one of our pals over at Sightseeker? Um, so just um, hit our website. We have a live chat option. Mm-hmm. Um, you might talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm one of the robots behind the live chat, so uh, it's site uh, seekercom um, You guys can uh, site-seeker.com, yeah. and I'll, I'll make a point to link this all for folks as well when we get to the uh, the website and all that kind of thing. So yeah, that's great. And I mean, the cool thing is that like I really enjoy what I do. So if you just want to talk, like I would love to do that. What a great way for me to spend my time. I'm more than happy to. Um, so let's get into some more. Lighthearted stuff. We initially planned. Good luck. <laughs> we initially planned this interview for early in the day, and uh, early this morning you reached out to me and said that you were getting a quick nine in. Yeah, I bullied you. you didn't say bully say me. what no, it no, is. No, no, you didn't bully me. I would have. Listen, here's the thing. You are the second person this week to ask me at the last minute to go golfing. I'm not mad about it because next week when I'm out of the state, I have to. I have a golf game set up with my my stepdad and my my brother-in-laws. And I have not golfed in a long time, yeah. so I was already kind of looking for any excuse to go take some hacks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I need, really yeah. needed to figure it out. So had I not been essentially 
powering through the last I know. five hours of this morning yeah. trying to get the show ready, yeah. I definitely would have gone. But I'm curious. You're in the same age range as me. Yeah. Are you coming around on golf, or has this been something you've always played? Because I've noticed a lot more of our, like, 30 to 35-year-old friends want to play a little more recently. Um, so it's been 35 seconds since I've talked about jujitsu. So <laughs> That's on my list here anyway, so I do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so the gyms are closed, and listen, you that. listen, there is something that has become necessary, and maybe it was necessary all along, to experience something that is deeply humbling as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so healthy yeah. to just really get checked and understand where you are. And Jiu-Jitsu does that in a very physical way. Kevin thinks I'm crazy, but I'm kind of ready for it. Good. I've been sort of Good. teasing around the idea that I want to... Because I'm a little guy. I and, know you're ready yeah, for it. Yeah. I, he's ready for it, too. <laughs> he won't, he's not going to say he that. Is, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, I'm, he is. I'm him. He's I'm hiding bad. in the green room. He's not listening to us he's talk about jujitsu. Smart. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna choke a, him when he's ready. He'd be a monster, yeah. by the way. Yeah. If you, yeah. Had, if you trained him. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. See, I'm ready for it. I just don't think that I'm. I'm not. I'm not in physical. I need to get in better physical shape no, to start. Like a little more cardio. I went running last week. It was not no. great. You don't think so? No, you don't need to do any of that. Huh? You don't need to do anything. Really? Yeah. Get a mouth guard. <laughs> It's horrifying that's to it. <laughs> Just get a mouth guard. Um, so anyway, that's the absence of that. Yeah. And the free time has meant that, you know, I, I, I started golfing, and it'll probably disappear as soon as the, the gyms open up. Obviously, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, weather dependent. But I did not golf for nearly my entire life. You know, yeah. like, if you mm-hmm. want to be honest about it, I probably have four rounds in in my entire life. Um, but it's very humbling. Yes, uh, so yesterday we played nine holes and it was atrocious. Um, so oh, wake, yeah. waking up this morning, somebody sent me a text and was like, you, you want to redeem yourself? And I was like, oh, God, I have to redeem myself. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, I, I think you're, you're a hundred percent spot on. There is no sport I can think of where from hole to hole you can go, oh, you know what? I got this. You get one good drive. Oh, like, yeah. dude, I figured it out. Easy game. And the- <laughs> Easy game. <laughs> <laughs> hit the ball. So easy. And then like the next one, you're like, I've driven seven balls into the water. This yeah. is outrageous. Yeah. I, it's probably the, I don't love it as my favorite sport, but if you're going to be a professional athlete in terms of impacting your body, making money, and longevity, oh, I have a hard that. time thinking of any sport where you can make more money over a longer period of time with less killer strain in your body than golf. No, I agree. Correct me if I'm wrong somewhere out there. It's yeah. not jujitsu. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Have you uh, are you still into are you watching jujitsu and UFC during this uh, during this period? As much as possible, it's uh, it's gated um, in that they it's very expensive to watch large scale events. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a really nice job with ESPN and the ESPN partnerships. Unless you know so where that, to go on the internet. Yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah, you animal. I, I guess my question is because I've been watching wrestling a lot during this yeah. period because wrestling, much like a lot of the other sports that are based out of Florida, is not really concerned yeah. with stopping. Yeah. And I've struggled a little bit with the lack of audience. I don't think they should put people in there, yeah. but the show does not work without the crowd reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With UFC, I've watched a couple UFC things since this has happened. I kind of like the no crowd. It's really interesting. It's very cerebral in a way that I hits. didn't expect. Yeah. Yep, you can focus more. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's just me. It's one. I think it's one of those sports that, because it's a real sport, quote-unquote, there's not a storyline. It's immediate. Yeah. So there, you don't really lose anything in terms of the 
man-to-man competition. No. Outside of just the, the excitement of seeing people scream for bloodlust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, o- oftentimes, I find the audience takes away from things, too, right? Yeah. So, like, obviously, I enjoy grappling. It's yeah. uh, the audience's least favorite thing in the world. Um, yeah, yeah, so for sure. That, so, you know, I'm just like, this is great. Yeah. And people are like, this is terrible. I got in a huge kick a couple weeks ago where I was watching old UFC clips. And I buckled in for the 45-minute Ken Shamrock, Royce Gracie championship match from UFC 5. Yeah. This is on YouTube. It's on, you can go find it. This is pre-rounds, pre-weight classes. It is the most boring. <laughs> 45 minutes of, because they don't do any, there's no rounds, there's no breakup. It's essentially Royce Gracie putting Ken Shamrock in like a front headlock and holding it for 40 minutes until yeah. Ken Shamrock's like, I, I, I'm i done. I'm very tired. <laughs> I'm exceptionally tired. Uh, is there like, who's someone you're watching right now in UFC for the folks to get excited about? Who's like a, a guy you're a fan of right now? Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. Yeah. I don't know that one. Oh, you will. <laughs> she, oh, we'll talk about it. Oh, you will. <laughs> uh, so, you're doing the jujitsu thing. Uh, well, I'm do, not. Well, I in, mean, in your in life yard. in general. In, yeah. in the yard. Yeah. Besides golf, what are you, are you doing anything else to sort of like keep in shape? I'm sort of struggling with the health aspect of this breakdown. I got a garage gym. At the garage gym. Garage gym, yeah. And I See, and I really, we're doing rounds in the, gra- in the, in the grass. That heavy yeah. bag you used to have in the basement. Yeah. I used it a lot. Yeah. And something's wrong with it now. The top is broken and I can't fix yeah. it. Yeah. What did you pay? Not to ask. What's it cost on a heavy bag these days? So I'm thinking about getting another one. I just got a new one. I got a new one for Christmas. What did you pay for it? Santa brought it to me, so it was free. Who <laughs> did Santa pay for? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can ask. I don't want to ask. Uh, I want to get into some lightning round questions. Uh, but two things I need to bring up to you before we get in. One, we sort of touched around it. Congratulations on your on your upcoming wedding. We're very excited. Uh, I have to ask, I've known your, your fiancé, your, your soon-to-be wife, yeah. since longer than I've known Kevin. Yep. Longer than I've known anybody on the show. We went to middle school and high school together. We were close, close friends. Uh, so I have to ask, what was your, how'd you pop the question, man? What was your, did you do the knee? Did you sit down on the knee? Absolutely not. No, no knee. No, my knees are bad. <laughs> <laughs> Bum knee, keep to it. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I love you. I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't bend down. <laughs> what so? Did you put on a piece of cake or in a fucking uh, champagne bottle or something? No, it was actually kind of funny. I'll give you the abridged version. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we went to Montreal. We went to dinner. It was um, this this planned dinner that was like mm. just. It was one of the best restaurants in Montreal, and it cool. was like it was like kind of my gift to myself. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're going here, um, and we took an Uber there. And the bank flagged my card for using it in a mm. foreign country. Um, so when I went to pay for dinner, I couldn't. Uh, which you meant you had to pay for it? Yep. <laughs> I love it. On brand. Oh, it's good stuff. Uh, oh, so man. then we went from dinner and uh, there's a beautiful Ferris wheel. So we went to the Ferris wheel and uh, we took an Uber. Uh, but I have two, two cards. Um, so I used my other card for the Uber. Mm. Which got flagged because I was in a foreign country. Um, Jeez. <laughs> so she then had to buy tickets for the Ferris wheel mm. in like 10 degree weather in the middle of Montreal. She'd probably tell you this isn't worth it. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I, I proposed on the Ferris wheel and it was beautiful and a comedy of errors and exactly what I would do. It's perfect. perfect. It's so me. Yeah. I'm very I'm very pleased. You know, yeah. um, I've known him for such a long time. And I'm, I'm so happy that you two found each other 
in in the right time in the right place and everything worked out because I'm just so happy for the, the two of you and I'm Mazel Tov. I'm not even Jewish. I'll just say Mazel Tov. It's gonna be a good time. I can't yeah. wait. I um I'm lucky. I'm just a a better person. So very helpful. Like I think you can find that's something I think it's a generational thing because yeah. I I think today now uh, in my mid thirties I'm a much calmer, smarter, more comprised person than I was. I, I'll be honest. I got my master's degree a couple months ago and that really kind of mellowed me out in a way because I've been really stressed this yeah. last year I got, yeah. I got goddamn shingles this year yeah, from doing stress, grad school yeah. stuff and I, it feels weird when I sent in my grad school paperwork I sent in all the stuff to get my master's degree I had expected this feeling like I was like I'm gonna hit the button I'm gonna hit submit and all of my stress is gonna immediately drain from my body and I remember sending it and being like nope it didn't work <laughs> but weirdly slowly over the course of the next three weeks and getting, like, stuff together, I was like, nah, man, it, I am better. Yeah. Like, that that feeling of completion did, it didn't happen right away. But I'm much more, I just feel like a better, more complete, more positive person now that I've crossed this finish line. And I and I know that it wasn't immediate, but sometimes I guess it isn't immediate. That's no. what I learned from all this. Yeah. It takes time to let it flow, you know what yeah. I mean? So, I didn't mean to get off track. No, good for you, too. Um, PhD next? <laughs> uh, just real quick, have you been enjoying the new Run the Jewels four album, RTJ four? Uh, yeah, it's perfect. It's a masterpiece. They have such a good habit of putting albums out when you need them. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unreal. It's unbelievable that this project was done over two years and it drops immediately, <clears throat> and the the content of it is perfectly timed. I think it's hilarious now that like people like my stepdad, who are like former Republicans who've turned Democrat because of the way the world is. Who were like, what do you know about this Killer Mike guy? He's pretty smart. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, why do you know what Killer Mike is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you weren't around ten years ago. He just, yeah, he's he was smart then too. Uh, one of the best. One of the best. He was on. Uh, he was on. I think I watched him on Rogan not too long. Last year he was on Rogan. He was really good. I'd love to see him come back on now. Uh, uh, he's a voice we need for sure. Again, yeah. folks, site-seeker.com. Uh, if you guys need any information about how you can get in touch with Cliff. Or Devin or any of our folks down there doing great work. If you want to is it build up your social media presence, build up a way to reach out to folks, talk to our boys at site-seeker.com. I will link everything there. Uh, Cliff, it's been an absolute pleasure. Before I let you go, I have a couple quick, quick, quick lightning round questions oh, wow. for you. Are you All ready? Right. Yep. All right, Cliff, uh, who is your favorite fictional villain? Who is your favorite fictional villain? It's a tough question. Uh, it's, uh, Saruman. Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big eye, right? No, that's Sauron. That's Sor- Sauron. Yeah. is Christopher Lee? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, He's always yeah. a good villain. Yeah. I forgot you're a Lord of the Rings person. Yeah. Dear. Are you gonna, are you gonna watch that, uh, they're doing it for Amazon, are they yes. not? Yes, yep. I just found out that Amazon's doing a Fallout TV series, so now I have to keep Amazon, even though I was getting, <laughs> I'm getting rid of it. Uh, what is your single favorite fast food item of all time? Hershey pie from Burger King. What? Yeah. What is a Hershey Hershey pie? Oh my god, I don't even know you. We'll talk about this afterwards. I don't know what you're talking. What would be your dream category on Jeopardy? One category that you would dominate that you feel confident that no one else could beat you in. My life history. <laughs> your personal life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The history of Cliff Mike. The Tony. only thing I know better than uh, anybody else. <laughs> Uh, and last but not least, uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. It could be something you and Emma are watching. Oh, man. 
Wow, you, that's the hardest one. That one? That's yeah, the hardest that's question? that's the hardest Something one. you're reading, you're listening? You don't yeah. have to win this category. You can just be honest and tell me that you're listening to, like, pop music. Uh, <laughs> what was I just listening to in the car most recently? Um, there's a new Freddie Gibbs album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was listening to that. Very cool. Although Bandana's been on repeat since it came out. Um, so <laughs> you uh, Listen to Freddie Gibbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe don't. I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> Uh, Cliff, it's an absolute pleasure, as always, to have you on. We miss seeing you around. I'm very excited for the upcoming wedding. I'm excited for you guys. And I'm pleased to see that you're still doing your thing out here in COVID. And again, next time you want to go golfing, anytime. Kevin and I talked about it beforehand. We'll go with you anytime you want to go. Oh, that's dangerous. Anytime you want to go, I'm down for it. We'll we'll be happy to go. All right. Cliff, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you guys. We will be back to the show. Thank you, Justin. And next time he goes out, I will I will go with him. I told him any other time he would have asked me to go, I would have been happy. To I would do, do that. I would go out with you guys. I might not play, but I'm I'm a good I'll hang. A- I'm a good hang in the cart. <laughs> I like I like to take a hack. I gotta be honest. Like I, I say that I'm not good at golf, and mm. I'm not. Right. But I'm not against taking a hack. I've I mean I've I've beat the old hobby horse. You know what my thing is with golf, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean I I don't own clubs. Yep. Right. And so I'm very tall. Yep. So if I go to borrow somebody's clubs, they're too short for me, and so I end up pulling up on my swing and I hit the ball all over the place because the clubs are too short. So I would need to get long clubs made, but I'm not going to invest in these special long clubs if I'm not very good. So it's like yeah. a chicken and egg thing. So when I go golfing, here's what I do. Here's my tip for everybody out there who's not very good at golf, mm-hmm. but you want to get out with your boys, be on the carts, enjoy a couple beers, whatever else you might bring out with you. Um, bring a set number of balls. Yeah. Once you're out of balls, you're done. Yeah. So maybe you'll get six holes, maybe you'll get eight holes, maybe you'll get 14 holes. But once you're out of balls, you're done for the day. Here's another tip I'll give you. Go to Walmart before Mm -hmm. you leave, or you don't have to go to Walmart, but Walmart's a good place to get this. Because a lot of places that sell sports equipment that aren't specifically like Dick's Sporting Goods or Mm sports-specific stores will sell cheap shit. So you can go to Walmart, and I only say Walmart because I've seen it there before. Yeah, yeah. And you can buy what is essentially a bag of mixed golf balls, like mm-hmm. 35 golf balls of all different varieties for like, 20, like 15 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, if I lose 10 balls out there, what do I care? I'm not going to – I'd rather do that than spend an hour That's my thing. Yeah, yeah. through the bushes. 100%. Like, it's not – No, no. If I lose a ball, that ball's gone. I don't even look. That ball – if I can't see the ball, that ball's gone. That's why I bring X amount, and I know I will run out at some point. Um, so yeah, next time he wants to go do some, uh, some golf, I'll be happy to go with him. Uh, shout out to Cliff. Again, congratulations to him and Em. Love the both of them. Shout out to great. Em. I was over there, uh, we went over for dinner uh, a couple weeks ago and it was great. They got a great little house. So happy. Good to see my friends happy with one another. Okay, folks. Uh, even though it took me less time to do it this week, here's some history lessons for you. Be aware, these history lessons technically start on Monday. <laughs> They're next week's history lessons for the show that I'm not going to... Oh, man, everybody's so pissed. Everybody's Everybody's so pissed. I think you're going to like this one, though, Kev. I I did this one specifically for you. So uh, join me, if you will, on this short story. Uh, On this day, 1889, John L. Sullivan knocked out Jake Kilrain in a Mm. 75-round bare-knuckle boxing match, Mm. the last 
uh, professional bare, bo uh, bare knuckle boxing match in the United States. John L. Sullivan, uh, simply known as John L. among his admirers, is dubbed the Boston Strongboy by the mm. press. Uh, with an what Irish, a name. With an Irish-American boxer recognized as the first championship, uh, champion of glove boxing, de facto reigning from February 7th, 1882 to 1892. Mm. He is generally recognized as the last heavyweight champion of bare-knuckle boxing under the London prize ring rules, being the cultural icon of the late 19th century America and arguably the first boxing superstar and one of the world's highest paid athletes of his era. This particular fight uh, is considered to be the turning point in boxing history because it was the last world title fought under the London prize ring rules and therefore the last ever bare knuckle boxing heavyweight title foul. Mm. Um, for the first time ever, newspapers carried extensive pre-fight coverage, which included reporting on the fighters' training and speculating on where the bout would take place because the original place they were supposed to do it decided they didn't want to do bare knuckle boxing anymore. They're right. Out, right. Sullivan had trained for months in Belfast, New York, under trainer William Muldoon, whose biggest problem had been keeping Sullivan away from the liquor. A report on Sullivan's training regimen in Belfast was written by a reporter uh, who quoted that essentially uh, Sullivan would escape from his guard in Belfast Village and the cry would go out, John L. is loose again, send out Muldoon, and Muldoon would have to snatch up the champion from the local bars and bring him back to the training camp. <laughs> Uh, despite this, um, on July 8th, 1889, estimated 3,000 spectators boarded special trains to a secret location, which turned out to be somewhere in Mississippi. The fight began at 10.30 in the morning, and though it first looked like Sullivan was going to lose, especially after he vomited in the middle of the 44th mm. round, however, he got a second wind and was able to turn things around for himself. I believe that's what we call the puke and rally? <laughs> puke and rally. <laughs> <laughs> after a grueling beatdown, Kilrain's manager finally threw in the towel after 75 rounds. What the hell is wrong? They had nothing else. Oh, man. Nothing else going on. 75 rounds of bare... I don't think I could take one round of bare-knuckle boxing with somebody, even if I was in the same, like, physical nope. status nope. as them. Nope. No chance. Now, I, I guess the question I can't answer, is bare-knuckle boxing in 1882, di 1889 different than what boxing looks like today? Like, is the actual for vision sure. of what boxing sure. is different, for sure, for right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you couldn't have... A fight today, bare knuckle boxing. In like UFC, you can't even no. do that. You know what I mean? No. Dangerous. No. Bare knuckle boxing. It must be dope having a name like Sullivan where you have all these crazy stories connected to people. You just tell them you're related to them if you wanted to. That's true. Well, it's actually, what's crazy is my grandfather, uh, John Sullivan, mm -hmm. you know, RIP, was a wrestler for Great Britain. He wrestled in the 1948 Olympics and he still holds records for holding uh, titles across three weight classes. The only man ever to do it over in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's crazy, because that's a John Sullivan, yeah, yeah. but you're right, it is a name where you can, uh, well, you know it was different, too, like, probably pre-internet times, like, the golden age of bullshit, before you could <laughs> fact-check everybody all the time, you know what I mean? Like, I remember being on vacation when I was, like, 18, telling, like, people we meet that were in, like, the band New Found Glory, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, different... No one knew what they looked like. Like, just messing around yeah. with, you know, you could, yeah, but back then, with a name like Sullivan, you can be like, oh, that's actually, that's my uncle. Yeah. You know, I convinced a kid in the fifth grade that, um... You know, I convinced him that my uncle was the famous Dallas Cowboys running back, Emmitt Smith. <laughs> uh, I mean, was that Emmitt Smith? Was that his last yeah, name, the running back? Yeah. I convinced him that was my uncle, this kid in fifth grade. Dear God. Don't ask me how. Uh, <laughs> I convinced a couple people when I was growing up that my family was mob-connected. Oh, as did every, as did every, every Italian, Italian yeah. kid that grew up in the area, yeah. Uh, I don't have a ton of backup on this story. I just thought it was wild. On this day, 1944... 
In Hartford, Connecticut, a fire broke out under the big top of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, killing 167 people and injuring Yikes. 682 more. Uh, the cause of the fire is unknown, but it spread at incredible speed, racing up the canvas of the circus tent. Scarcely before the 8,000 spectators inside the top could react, patches of the burning canvas began falling on them, and a stampede for the exit began. Investigation revealed that the tent had undergone a treatment with a flammable paraffin thinned with three parts of gasoline to make it waterproof. So the, the waterproofing actually made the tent itself way more dangerous to fire. Uh, Ringling, uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey eventually great, uh, paid to grieve five million dollars in compensation, which in 1944 I don't know what that a lot of money converts to today. Um, I don't have anything for this. This is a wildly scary story. I, I read this story and I was like, man, what a horrifying. This is why we have public safety regulations. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is. Uh, I know everybody's like, you know, red tape and rah 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 red tape. Uh, Cornwall stopping me from living my life. But yeah, this is why we have public safety regulations and like codes and zoning and stuff. Yeah. Oh, so this is an interesting one. I didn't even see this till just now. In 1950, years later, in a late development, Robert D. Segui of Circleville, Ohio, confessed to starting the circus fire. Segui claimed that he had been an arsonist since the age of six and that an, uh, an uh, apparition of an Indian with a flaming horse visited him and urged him to set fires. Mm. So a, a ghost Indian came and told him to set fires, apparently, mm. in 1950. Relatable. He was, he was sentenced <laughs> to two consecutive terms of 22 years in prison, the maximum yeah. penalty in Ohio at the time. Maybe don't build your shit on stolen <laughs> lands and you won't have you ghost Indians coming to you. Maybe you don't want to be haunted by ghosts and you just show a little more respect to the ancestral lands. I don't know. I don't know. This is me. I'm, uh, not, a, I'm not a shaman. I'm not a witch doctor. Be dope to be a shaman or a witch doctor. Yeah, all right. uh, on this day, 1973, the New York Mets were 12 and a half games back in the National League and went on to win the pennant and go all the way to the World Series. Mm. The story would have been more fun if Aaron Higgins, who was mm. supposed to be our host today, uh, one of our guests today, who had mm -hmm. to cancel out, uh, was here. We really? are going to... She's out of town, and we didn't have time to make the things work. She's ah, coming nostalgia. back. She's essentially coming in on Saturday Makes sense. when I'm leaving. So mm -hmm. maybe next week I'll try and get some time with her. Because so, mm -hmm. she wants to talk about baseball coming back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mets did make it all the way to the 1973 World Series, despite being the lowest winning percentage team to make the World Series up until the 2005 San Diego Padres, who were destroyed by the Yankees. Remember that? Mm. Uh, wait, was that 2005? No. Padres made the World Series twice? Maybe. Oh, Seems like God. it. Uh, all right. Uh, the Mets did go on to lose that World Series to the Oakland Athletics. Uh, as oh, they Mets. Are the Mets. Yeah, as but again, the Mets. this is only the 12th season for the Mets, 1973. So making like the World Series in 12 years in pretty good, I feel like. Yeah. It's not Marlins good, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Are you excited Congratulations, at all? Mets. You're almost the Marlins. <laughs> Is that what your Mets fans want? Are you excited for... Is that what your Mets fans want? What are your thoughts about the 60-game season? Are you interested? I mean, as interested as I am in any other sports in general, mm -hmm. I guess. It'll be fine. It'll be cool to have, like, some articles to read, yeah. I guess. It'll be cool to watch some highlights. Am I, like, is it, like, I, you know, whatever. I, I'm less I feel excited. like everybody, I feel like it's like everybody is, has to have a take on their level of excitement, and there's, like, some weird invisible bar with it. I find You know what I mean? I find I'm not excited for really any of them. I mean, basketball, because it's close to the... Mm -hmm. Playoffs I'm a little more excited for. Mm -hmm. Also the best professional sports league in America. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, now, if you want to talk... Baseball, I think what bothers me about the 60-game season is... I don't know. It feels like a one-off, right? Like, if they had already started the baseball season and they were just finishing something up and going to the playoffs, mm -hmm. like, after the 60-game season, I have to watch another round of 
playoffs. I, I don't know. It feels it feels forced in a way that like the Premier League didn't, and mm. the way the NBA doesn't. Because well, I think that's because they're starting. I think because baseball yeah. is in the is in a unique position where I mean, because they normally play like. What's an, a normal baseball season's what? Like 700, 800 games? <laughs> something like So they normally play like 800 games yeah. in a season. Yeah, exactly. Like three, times approximately. A, three times a day for 11 months they play. Um, <laughs> no days off. <laughs> Never. No, but so they normally play like 182 games or 162 yeah. or whatever it is. Um, so to, to chop so much off of it is much more noticeable than the NBA being like, hey, we were three quarters of the way through our season. We had a pretty good picture of where everything was headed. Yeah. We're going to try to find a way to finish it out. Yeah. Uh, English Premier League, football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, same kind of thing. They were like, no playoffs. We're, they're like, we're pre- they don't have a playoff system, yeah. and they're like, we're already pretty close to the end of the season. Yeah. We can find a way to shake it out. With this, it almost seems like there's no point, but I can understand if I'm MLB – that I know I'm in no position to have a year without a baseball season. I'm, because no matter how big your institution is or who you are, once you go away, it makes yeah. it that much harder to come back. And look, let's be real. No matter, All these leagues are going to sit here and tell you that they're doing it because people need entertainment. They're trying mm. to be magnanimous about all these things. And yes, I'm not going to lie, I'm happy to have soccer back and I'm happy to have something to watch. But let's be real. A lot of this is determined by television rights. right? Like Major League Baseball has to play a certain amount of games on television for them to get their money. Uh, Premier League Soccer had to finish their entire season before August if they ever planned on getting paid their full amount of money. They would not allow them to push the season past August. Mm. So let's not pretend that these leagues are being magnanimous in any way. These are being controlled by television rights. Folks need to get a certain amount of their games played so they can get full television rights for what their deals are. It's not just... Like, we want to give sports back to the people. That's not what this is about. It's never been about that. No, the billionaires are never doing the magnanimous thing for the good of the people. <laughs> no. Top to bottom, you can't show me almost one in and, any case. Yeah. And if you want to tell me that I'm being a hypocrite for saying this and also watching soccer, I probably am. I'm probably being somewhat hypocritical. If I was more, you know, if I was being harsher about it, I wouldn't watch any of these sports. But that's the, the sometimes you have the natural but hypocrisies the, of the, life. That, well, that, that, I mean, that's, that's, the nature, that's the nature of modern life, and there's only so much that you can... Not so much. Yeah, I know what you mean. I would watch too if yeah. I were you. I'm gonna watch basketball. I'm gonna watch the Lakers. Yeah, oh for sure. Uh, all right, on this day, 1994, uh, the movie Forrest Gump opens in U.S. theaters, a high box office success. The film starred Tom Hanks, and the title role is Forrest, a good-hearted man with a low IQ who winds up in the center of a key cultural and historical events of the second half of the 20th century. Based on the 1986 novel by Winston Groom, uh, who, like the main character, grew up in Alabama and served in the war during Vietnam. Uh, in the film, Forrest is a star runner, ping-pong prodigy, who inadvertently rubs elbows with key figures in a number of landmark events, from Elvis to the Civil Rights Movement to Watergate to the rise of Apple computers. Uh, Forrest Gump received 13 Academy Mm. Award nominations and took home six Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role for Tom Hanks, Best Director for Robert Zemeckis. Uh, the film also won an Oscar for its then-cutting-edge computer-generated imagery, which seems kind of weird in hindsight because it looks a little stilted when you watch it Mm. now, but again, it's 94. Yeah. Uh, and also incorporating Forrest Gump into existing news footage and famous world figures, including John F. Kennedy, uh, John Lennon, Richard Nixon. This win was uh, Hanks' second in his best act uh, career, uh, second in his career for best actor. A year mm-hmm. earlier, he had nabbed an Oscar for the movie Philadelphia, which is pretty wild. He won back-to-back Oscars, 93-94. I don't know how many other people have done the back-to-back thing. That would be quite interesting to go look at. I, I didn't look that up yeah. until thing. Uh, oh, here we go. Hanks became only the second actor after Spencer Tracy to win back-to-back mm. Oscars. Um, 
I have two. I have, I came up with a quick list of my personal like one through five for Tom Hanks movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a question for you: Has Forrest Gump come back around to being kind of underrated? I think no. I think it's. I think we're having the other swing where people are like Forrest Forrest Gump isn't that good now. I think that the I new see. the new take is that Forrest Gump is overrated. I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. I had assumed that people would come back around on that take. Like it's it's still pretty good, actually. I, I don't. Mm, I don't know when that started, but that seems to be. I hear a lot of the the you know the people who call movies films every time mm-hmm. uh, talking about how it's just a little bit like schmaltzy and kind of. You know, which like, yo, it is totally, but I mean, yeah. it's still cool. I still I, mean, I like it. I don't, I don't find it. Any it's not sh- that serious. Like, just I like the movies I, I mean, like. I don't find it any schmaltzier than like, like the Shawshank Redemption or like any movie that was sort of like pulling at your heartstrings in that era. Like, I think Shawshank's a better movie if you want to ask me that. But yeah, in terms of like that era of movie, was a little schmaltzy. Like, even if you go back to a lot of Hanks's movies from this sort of era, sure. Like, you know I mean like Apollo thirteen? But for but Forrest <laughs> Gump, no, no, because it's not. That's not the same kind of thing at all, though. Like, because Forrest Gump is Forrest Gump specifically as a movie. You know, people talk about it like it's this great achievement in film. But like when you look mm. at it, it's just like it's like baby boomer fan service. Yes, you know what I oh, mean. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. like we're just gonna put all this stuff and this feathers floating and Jenny keeps showing up and left's like a box of chocolates. This man was Jenny's- everywhere with like. No real conflict and, like, a lot of weird, like, tropes that were kind of passed now. And, you know, if you look at stuff like, you know, you, I mean, you look at it between Philadelphia, between Shawshank, between Apollo 13. These are movies like, tough conflicts that people yeah. have to resolve. Forrest Gump is just this weird, like, magical fantasy land. Yeah. So I can see where people write it off like that and not having a ton of depth mm-hmm. and confusing cultural tough tones and fan service with depth. Yeah. Which is something that I think, you know, happens sometimes, but... Not to say I dislike it, though, but I just, I don't, like, I'm not going to make all Forrest Gump change my life. I'll hit you with my five to one. Here's my top five personal Tom Hanks movies. I'm missing mm. some that I'm sure people will complain about. Mm. Uh, number five is one I didn't think would make the list otherwise. A movie called Charlie Wilson's War. You ever seen that movie? Uh, no, but it's on a list of, like, if I'm ever looking for a movie to jump back to. Charlie Wilson's War, pretty interesting. It's about, yeah, essentially, yeah. America. I read the book. I've got the yeah. book, Charlie Wilson's War. But about, I've never seen the movie. Based on a true story about, uh... Charlie Wilson, (laughs) played by Tom Hanks, and about how the U.S. essentially trained Mm -hmm. Afghan soldiers to fight the Russians. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably a bit, like, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say controversial now, but it's got a little point. History often rhymes. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a pretty interesting movie, especially when it came out, because now I think we know a little bit more what's going on. Number four, uh, Catch Me If You Can. I feel like this movie gets Mm, kind of... That's a great movie. It's kind of looked past in the Tom Hanks catalog, because it's almost a DiCaprio movie. I mean, it is a DiCaprio movie. DiCaprio's the star. Yeah, but Hanks is really good in it. Of course he's really, really good. Hanks is good in everything. Uh, Number three, Big. I think Big is uh, underappreciated nowadays, Mm. but, like, really... I'm down on Big. I think it's really the movie that, like, catapulted him to... Of course, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm just saying, like, for me personally, uh, eh. It it, it, it never really meant much to me as a kid, either. I think having older sisters... Probably. Um, I think about that often. There's a dichotomy, and not to fully derail, but I yeah. think it's interesting. Depending where you fall in order of your, your family birth with your siblings, um, yeah. you tend to skew older or younger. Like, I have all my friends with older siblings have a little bit more reverence. My friends that are exactly my age have a little more reverence for the late 70s, early 80s yes. stuff because their older siblings got them into it. Yeah. Whereas there's stuff that I know about that was a little bit later because I have two younger siblings yeah. Who pushed me? Who I saw more stuff that they were kind of into when I was getting a little yeah. bit older, but stuff before my time, I've got nothing for. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise that like between my sisters and my mom and my dad and all that, like a lot of those movies that resonate with me are like Jaws. Do you sure. know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, even something like 
like Blazing Saddles, which is on TV all the time mm-hmm. back then. That's like a little before my time in Definitely. terms of an era. Definitely. Uh, number two was Toy Story. I mean, like the first Toy Story really mm. hard to argue that Hanks isn't really killing it as the Woody character. Like, really made quite a uh-huh. quite a second career for himself doing this Woody voice. Not even mm. second career, but like really. And then number one. Uh, for me, is Saving Private Ryan. I just mm. maybe my number one. Yeah, I would have to sit down and look at his list of movies. Cause I feel like there's ones I'm already missing. Castaway. Like, I didn't put Castaway. On Castaway there. is cool. Uh, a League of Their Own. He's awesome in A League of Their Own. So League of Their Own. Killing it. A League of Their Own was on the honorable mentions list I had with uh, Apollo 13. And mm. the reason I say that is because he's really not in a lot. True. He's a killer. Yeah, yeah. In League of Our Own, like his scenes steal mm-hmm. the movie, but the movie's. Re- even more than Catch Me and You Can. That movie's about Gina Davis and, was it Laurie Petty? And, like, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell. And he's sort of, like, yeah, the yeah. comedy. Was that, like, a comeback for him? Was he, like, on the down when that movie came out? I don't think so. Was he on the down from Big and Splash and all that stuff? Yeah, because it was before Philadelphia. Was it before Philadelphia? Around the same time, I, I think. have to look. I feel like there was a story that he had kind of done some bad stuff, like Joe versus the Volcano. And, oh, like, you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Maybe, like, there yeah. was, um... Same Private Ryan, I think, is the movie that affected me the most because I remember watching it with my grandfather and mm. he made me turn it off. Yeah, I bet. He's like, I can't watch this. I bet. And I'd never I really bet. thought about it. Mm-hmm. But he's really good in that movie. Plus he plays like a really mm-hmm. big-hearted English teacher who's forced against his will to he save great. people. I feel like there's definitely a thing or two that I'm probably missing that when I look at the list on IMDb after we do this, I'm like, oh, I wish I had shouted out this Tom Hanks movie that I like. Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll see if there's anything else I'm missing on here. Let me see what else... Uh, did we say Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? The um, I didn't see that. I don't know if I'm Philadelphia, that. Captain Phillips, The Green Mile, Sleepless in Seattle, The Terminal, which people don't talk about. Because it's not good is the reason. Da Vinci Code, You Got Mail, Bridge of Spies, kind of underrated. I actually like Bridge of Spies. People really like like Sleepless in Seattle and You Got Mail. That's important to a lot of people Splash. for sure. Uh, people liked, people of a certain age like Splash My as sisters. well. Yeah, yeah. So you what get into a lot of that of, stuff. What do you think of Road to Perdition? Um, I thought Road to Perdition was cool. Cool. I enjoyed it. It wasn't... Road to Perdition reminds me of a movie we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, Public Enemies, with Johnny yes, Depp. very much Where so. it was good, I enjoyed it, but I just wanted it to be better. I thought they could have gotten better. And so it was okay. You know what I mean? I'm glad I saw it, but I don't like reach for it too often. Movie. I went to the theater to see it. It's been a long mm-hmm. time. I feel like I would be somewhat disappointed. I thought Jude Law was good in that movie. as like the skeezy photographer, kind of bad guy mm-hmm. character, but I don't know. That Thing You Do? I kind of forget that thing you do because... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that movie, though. Here's the thing about that movie, mm-hmm. and maybe you can help me on this. Was oh, that the a... Burbs. <laughs> Yo, the Burbs. <laughs> was was that thing you do a VH1 movie? Money Pit. Uh, no. Was it in the theaters? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like I only saw that movie when it was on, like, VH1. Probably. That's probably when you saw and it. And yeah, I yeah. always assumed that it was, like, a TV movie that no. was really popular that he did. I didn't know that movie was in the theater. You were just too young to know about it. Yeah. I mean, I, you were nine years old when that thing you do came out. You know what I mean? So, It's a great movie. I, that, I, I mean, that thing you do, that came out before Saving Private Ryan, before You've Got Mail, before yeah. Green Mile, before Castaway. Uh, yeah, it's true. That's that true. thing you do was directly after Apollo 13 and Forrest Gump. Uh, we've gone really long in these history lessons, so we'll blast through this 2017 one real quick. On this day, 2017, uh, Tesla Motors purchase, uh, produces its first mass market car, the Model 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tesla Inc. is an American electric vehicle and clean energy company based in Palo Alto, California, specializing in electric vehicle manufacturing, battery energy storage, um, things like that. Over the last 11 years in the market, Tesla has been ranked as the world's best plug-in and battery electronic passenger car manufacturer. 
Uh, and as a matter of fact, as of earlier this week in 2020, the company surpassed the 1 million mark of electric cars produced, and the Model 3 ranks as the world's best all-time selling plug-in electronic car. Earlier this week, Tesla reached a market capitalization of $2.6 billion, surpassing Toyota to become the world's most valuable automaker by market uh, capitalization. However, in the 11 years since they've started, they have never once been profitable. I believe a it. very strange company. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Tesla cars? You interested in them? You interested in Tesla as a company? No. Uh, as a company as a whole, not no. I mean, there's some cool things they're doing. Um, yeah. I'm not an Elon Musk guy. No, my, I'm Elon not Elon Musk I'm not is either. the new... He's the new... Remember the way, like, 10 years ago, people used to talk about Steve Jobs? Yeah. And had this weird cult of personality. Like, this is... Mm-hmm. I don't understand tech, but I want to appear cool, so I'm going to be like, this guy revolutionized... These people who worship at the church, Elon Musk, right? Like, this is a kid who was raised in South Africa by parents who owned emerald mines and had slaves who worked those emerald mines. Mm-hmm. He comes from a wild fortune built on apartheid and slavery in South Africa... And so he's able to throw all this money and all this crazy stuff at it, but he doesn't actually seem like a very good guy no. at all to me. Um, the company seems like it's built on a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of bullshit. I think electric cars is a cool idea. I think they're doing some other cool stuff. I love to see people getting out towards like space and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff I think is great. But like at the end of the day, we're getting into this weird like cult personality hero worship with yeah. Elon Musk that I'm not here for. I think folks should do a little more mm-hmm. research into him and his company mm-hmm. because Tesla is not what... Low information idiots on Instagram tell ya. I don't know, man. Uh, so I'm gonna do a quick segment here that my niece asked me to do. Mm. Uh, it's called "The Kids Are All Right." I'm Shout out! I love it. Niece. I love it. Uh, it was brought up to me because she had mentioned something to me when I saw her. She's like, "What do you know about Save Baron Trump?" And I was like, "What the hell is that?" How old is your niece? She's 13. Okay. Uh, so apparently it's some sort of TikTok movement where kids on TikTok are making up this scenario or this story about what Baron Trump's life is like. Mm. Because earlier this week it was found out that Baron Trump apparently plays some popular online video game. Sure. And this narrative has been built up that he has no friends, he's never allowed to go out, he doesn't have any, he can't play sports. So there's been this whole online narrative of kids reaching out trying to save mm. Baron Trump and bring him back around. Uh, a similar story this week that's getting a lot of press is the daughter of Kellyanne Conway, uh, Claudia Conway, mm-hmm. has been brought out to be a leftist TikTok activist who Gangster hates Gangster Donald Trump. The top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the kids. Oh, that's man. what I'm telling you. Like, even I'll tell you what, all oh, these man. all these tired ass Generation X like people who live through the '90s that pretend they're not just like Reaganites, and all the yeah. tired millennials and all these people. Let me tell you what, the kids are coming for that ass. The kids uh, are coming for you, and I love to see it. Uh, in some posts, all the time. In some posts, she's time. encouraged people to leave one-star reviews on Trump properties. I really like this one. In another one, she wrote, Why do people hate on Trump supporters? Like, can't we just respect everyone's opinions? Psych, nah, block me, please, and educate yourself. I was like, that's like unreal. Killer savage moves. I don't even oh, have to think people I love to watch the kids, man. I hope to, oh. I hope to always get a kick out of the up-and-coming youth. I hope I never become so old and jaded that I look at the kids and think that they've ruined the America that I grew up in. Um, you know, I, I find myself, music was always the weird point for that for me, right? Mm. It's like that episode of South Park with Randy. It's like, no, Sharon, I'm still cool. I listen to what the kids listen to. Mm -hmm. I've given up on that. I've tried to listen to what the kids listen to. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate it as a Mm -hmm. musician. I Uh, find some stuff here and there. There's definitely like some new artists that's popular with younger folks. I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm into this. But but if you want to ask me if I'm concerned about moving 
aside to let the next generation come through? I am not. Oh my god, please. I'm so yeah. tired. I'm uh, so tired, kids. Come on up take the reins. Yo, speaking of which, I got another story I need to share with you guys today Hit about education that really pissed me off. Uh, earlier this week in Nashville, Tennessee, a high school valedictorian is gaining online support after her speech at her school's graduation ceremony on Saturday was cut off as she spoke about racial injustice and protests over the death of George Floyd. Where was the school? Nashville, Tennessee. Oh my gosh. Uh, I can't believe it. Yeah. So she eventually gave she gave this whole speech about George Floyd. Uh, the whole world protested the inexcusable murder. Change starts with ourselves. Change starts okay. with our community. Therefore, we must continue to work for all the people that come before us by voting out not only those in national election but local elections that directly impact us to create the yes. country we want. We must not let the process of our ancestors be in vain. She continued. However, mm. as she reads the last words of her speech, "No justice, no peace," the microphone is cut off by the school. A recording of the live ceremony posted showed Carson walking back to her seat. Uh, people in the background were screaming, that's not right. They booed the school. Uh, the school claims that they did not know that oh, they were going to cut her yeah, off. I'm um, sure. Uh, so, again, this is a this is a black valedictorian in a Nashville, Tennessee school who's getting shut off by her peers for saying no justice, no peace about social justice movements. They're again, lucky. They're lucky she walked back to her seat. Let the kids take the lead because we... Are doing a bad job. We've done a bad job, guys. Previous generation. Into, oh, I love to see it. I love to yeah, see it, man. Yeah. Love to see it. We still, we still got more bumps on the road, and there's more mm-hmm. dark days ahead. But the these kids aren't gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna have to. I mean, they're, they're gonna have to take every single one of them if they want to keep this shit going on. Because these kids aren't gonna stand for it, man. All right, we've. I've gone way, too, way, way, way too far. Uh, we did not get a chance to talk about the Bar Lives Matter movement. Let's talk about it now. It's. Fucking stupid. Fools, you're embarrassing you're yourselves. You're embarrassing yourselves. Go home. You are an embarrassment. Yeah, all so. the bar lives. I guess they ran out of the... I, I retweeted somebody. I guess they ran out of tear gas and rubber bullets today. Yeah. They had the people out there. Also... Yeah, you're the, disgusting. Yo, they're... What's I, a bar life? Alcoholics matter? I don't understand. What's the question here? No, they're just here? saying, look, like, I, I can... As somebody who has spent a lot of time in the industry, you know, tons of people that own bars here in the city and in other places, you know, around the region and the country... I get and in those tons of bartenders and and servers and service industry and all that. I, I totally get that people are reeling mm-hmm. and they need to get you know they really want to get their businesses back up and going because they're in a really tough spot. I understand all of that, mm-hmm. but like oh I want I'm bored and summer I should deserve it's just it's this culture of selfishness mm-hmm. and this cult of the individual and this like this whole you know it's these people like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna call myself a libertarian because I don't want to admit that I'm just a selfish person and yeah. care about other people. It's the same kind of thing, right? Like, <laughs> I want to be a Republican, all, but I want to smoke weed. So. I, 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 <laughs> It's, honestly, 95% of the time, libertarians are just folks that are... A libertarian is just somebody who's smart enough to know that they should be embarrassed yeah. to call themselves a Republican. Yeah. What it, what a lot of it is. It's a childish worldview, but that's a whole separate thing. Um, but yeah, it's gross. It's gross. It's all gross. I'm so tired. Stop. Stop. Change the subject. I can't do it. Got it. So let's do one... Nuts. We'll do We'll do one fun story for me that I, that I need to talk... Uh, this is a new segment I'm doing called This One's For Me. Uh, yeah. And then we'll do a bit for blog and we'll get out of here. Uh, mm. This week, it was announced today... That the developers of the Westworld television series are producing a Fallout television series for Amazon. So- now, as I gotta ask you some questions. <laughs> I got some questions for you. Um, as somebody who was watching Westworld and then watched how they massacred our boy, <laughs> and just watched how they what turned they into those most, most colluded train wreck of like trash. Are you more or less enthused that it's the Westworld people? Or does that give you pause and be like, ah, oh, what are they going to do? Here's or the for you, is it like anything they want to do is cool for me to see come out in the TV? I mean, if I want to get real deep into it, I had always thought 
that this is I've said on this podcast before that if I had a choice, I would love to have this IP and make an HBO television series for sure. or something like that. For sure. Because the games themselves sort of establish themselves into seasons. You could do mm. each game as its own separate season. They're different locations, they're different places, different casts of characters. Mm-hmm. It opens itself up to that. Westworld is a show in general that feels it needs to be mysterious for mystery's sake. Mm. Fallout is not a game like that. It's not about mysteries. It's about exploring a post-apocalyptic world. It's not... There are very few mysteries and, like, twists in the Fallout thing. It's pretty straightforward yeah, for the now. most part. Now, now. so... <laughs> they get their grubby little I, fingers I in hope there. that they take the IP and use it in a way to facilitate good stories and not mm-hmm. worry about feeling like they need to gotcha the story for people, right? Mm-hmm. Just let the natural story of the first Fallout game or the second Fallout game or any of the ones that people like play out. Because a lot of folks don't know what the first Fallout game was about because it's been 25 years since that game mm. came out on PC, right? Mm-hmm. Just tell that story. Season one, people will love it. No one knows the twist already. No one's played that game in 20 years. Just do that. Mm-hmm. Don't overthink it. That's my, that's my, and I, they're definitely going to overthink it. Oh, yeah. 100,000%. All right, let's do our bit from the blog and get out of here because um, it's starting to get real hot in the studio. Dude, I'm just sweating. Nuts. Okay. I can't believe you started today with a hoodie on. Nah. I said, uh, come out of your room today. I'm like, this is nuts. That AC got you gassed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Simple question. In a street fight battle mm. to the death. Yes, sir. Who would win? Me. <laughs> uh, Mike Trout with a baseball bat. Uh. Or J.J. Watt, the football player, wearing full football pads. So the J. argument. J.J. Watt. So you take the pads over the bat? Yeah. Yeah. The reach on the bat, though. Sure. I don't think... Where are you going to hit him? I think you're overestimating what a football pad actually covers. You can still hit somebody in the leg with a football pad on. So what's he get? One swing before he's tackled? He's a professional athlete. You don't think he could avoid getting tackled? I feel like I'm... J.J. Watt's a professional tackler. Mm. They're both professional athletes. So what's what's he got? Two swings before he gets tackled? He's, he's one got of the best a, swingers. And he's got to swing low for the legs. Hits him maybe in the stomach. J.J. Watt gets hit for a living. This guy's wearing full pads. His head is protected. His head and face are protected. Yeah, pads. If you believe that football is a lie, those, head, those, head, those helmets and pads don't protect you the way they think you do. You get that false sense of security. Like, yeah, That's I can take true. a bat to the face. Yeah, yeah. Even with a helmet, you're not trying to take a bat to the face. I'm telling you right now. You're not trying to. Yeah. But I'm saying if it's a fight to the death for the men's lives... I'm going to take the man in full body armor over the man with the piece of wood. And no body armor. Mm. I guess you're right. Because what happens, J.J. Watt comes in, hits you, you got no helmet on, he hits you with that helmet in your mouth, what are you going to do about that? Nothing. Nothing. I suppose you're right. Yeah, yeah, J.J. Watt, I'm saying. Why, you got Trout? I can't take J.J. Watt, I can't stand him. Well, same, same. I'm I'm taking Trout. I'm taking the Trout man. I think he's... uh, Trout man, all right. I'm taking two shots of that bat is enough to take you down. All right. It's an unanswerable question. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Is it? I'll go on the, let's go in the yard right now. Let's go up to play it against sports. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks again to Cliff Montoni. Thanks again to Heather Waz. We miss you. Hope you're doing okay over there. Oh, shout out to Heather. What a world. Uh, follow the show at uh, at Udicast. You can follow Kevin or myself at SFDoom or underscore Kevin Sullivan. We are on Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Stitcher Podcast, Hive, shout out. Uh, Spotify. We've been having a lot of fun on the Spotify uh, so far. Mm. Um, again, uh, shout out to Drexel. GFOP, mm. mascot of Maiden Utica, one of the best pups of all time. Too much dog for this world. Too good of a too good of a dog for this world. Mm-hmm. Sweet boy. Great life. Uh, all right, that's it, folks. Uh, sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, we will see you next week. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. We will catch you next week. 
for another episode of the Uticast. Take care, folks.